106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Well, you know, Canada uh, stands uh, for peace in the world. And uh, Canada has not taken uh, sides in many of the world disputes, uh, such as Vietnam and so forth, uh, in, in the past. And you have a spiritual heritage here, both in Quebec and in Ontario and in Western Canada. And uh, you have the spiritual groundwork is already here. And there's an afterglow that I think you feel now. People are not attending church today in Canada as they once were. Uh, Toronto was once called when I first came here, Toronto the Good, because so many people went to church. So many people believed in God, so many people believed in Christ. But I believe that Canada stands in a very unique position. If Canada should have a spiritual awakening and a spiritual revival, I think it could uh, lead the world. I think the whole world would look to Canada and I think Canada could become the world leader in the spiritual dimension. I'm uh, from Independent Media. So I was in the crowd yesterday. Um, I was unfortunately uh, hit with some pepper spray. I just have a question. Uh, there's some video cameras that the police are using and uh, some news outlets are reporting that you're gathering intelligence with those cameras. Can you elaborate, like, if the protesters at this point, uh, you know, uh, retreat and go home, uh, are they going to be getting sort of repercussions down the road? Or are you going to be sort of actively pursuing the people that you've been sort of documenting and filming who are still out there protesting? What are your plans after this, uh, after the protest is over? Thank you. It's a great question. And the simple answer is yes. If you are involved in this protest, we will actively look to identify you and follow up with financial sanctions and criminal charges. Absolutely. We, this investigation will go on for months to come. It has many, many different streams, both from a federal uh, financial level, from a provincial licensing level, from a criminal code level, from a municipal breach of court order, breach of court injunction level. It will be a complicated and time consuming um, investigation that will go on for a period of time. You have my commitment that that investigation will continue and we will hold people accountable for taking our streets over. This investigation will go on for months to come. And what the Prime Minister of Canada, the way he's behaving right now, he's exactly like a tyrant, like a dictator. He's like Ceausescu in Romania. If even you doubt if you raise doubts about the vaccines, you're outcasted. What's the difference between what he does and what happened under the Inquisition? See, on one side they say, well, we should not believe in God. But on the other side they say, believe in science. We don't have to. Science is not about belief. Science is about measurements, conclusions, hypotheses, and arguments. We got to a point right now where even if you say something, if you raise any doubts, you're already considered, you know, as whatever, you know, they label you in very different ways. This is not okay. And I have to tell you, you know, that I, when I saw the protests in Canada, you know, the way the truckers over there <coughs> reacted, you know, I got in touch with some of them, others contacted me, I congratulated them, and I want to use this opportunity to thank them 
And I hope this movement for freedom and for rights is spreading all around the world. Because at the end of the day, we have to make sure that all these elected officials, they understand that they were elected in those offices to work for the people, not to behave like masters of slaves. Thank you. It's time to do what a growing list of countries have done and announced we're going back to something more like normal, beginning with recognizing that what we're doing to kids is unnecessary and horrible, and I don't even like kids. <laughs> But making kids who have a COVID survivability rate of 99.98% mask up like bandits, unfortunately, the thing that's getting stolen is their education, their sanity, and their social skills. A study this week from a professor at Johns Hopkins concluded that the lockdowns we all suffered through had little impact in reducing COVID deaths. Okay, that's kind of a big one to get wrong. Last July, President Biden said, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Well, I already knew that was wrong then, and now we all do. The former director of the CDC, Robert Redfield, believes COVID originated in a lab. And now our intelligence agencies agree it might have. But for months on social media, it was banned to even discuss it. Look, I'm not saying the medical establishment isn't trying to figure shit out or that they're corrupt, although there is some of that. <laughs> I, I'm just asking, how much wrong do you get to be while still holding the default setting for people who represent the science? Good evening, this is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio Podcast. This is our 152nd podcast, and it will show up on February 26th, 2022. So uh, last week I mentioned, I referred to some of the people that make this uh, production happen, both live and podcast, and I mentioned Conroe Tanner. So uh, he said uh, that he probably preferred Texas Tanner better, although I really like Conroe, but uh, I'm going to call him what, what he should be called, and that's uh, Texas Tanner, who is uh, from these days in Conroe, Texas. He used to live in Yuba Duba Doo on Yuba City and uh, in Marysville area for a couple of years doing work here for Tread, which was a which is a evangelistic stomp dance team that traveled primarily in the European area until COVID hit, and they did a lot of work with uh, street people, Muslims, all throughout France, all over the place. Anyway, he did some good work there, and then right before he left, he helped me set up this podcast. And I had no idea what I was doing to this podcast and running all this. Equipment, which seems fairly simple now, but he still does the heavy lifting. But he had to actually sit next to me on the first few, just so uh, I wouldn't have a, have a total meltdown. 
So uh, we're going to go here, and uh, let me just give you a few preliminaries. This is No Hostages Radio. You can reach us at our website, nohostagesradio.com, and listen to all the episodes all the way back. Or you can uh, read some of the articles that I've written over the years, instead of in- including a few current ones. You can also get a, uh, listen to this over at uh, a recording at uh, Live with Lou Facebook page. And uh, you can also obviously get it off your normal podcast source. If you're a podcast geek, you can you you, you may have got that. Maybe that's how you arrived here. Some people look at the bottom of my newspaper articles where I show, hey, you can listen to me here. You can read me here, that kind of stuff. So if you want to reach out to me and uh, communicate, you can easy. 530 1838 again 530-713-1838 you're welcome to phone me i am on the left coast uh or you can text me i i do respond to people uh you can also email me at lou l-o-u at nohostagesradio.com lou at nohostagesradio.com i will respond I, I use another email for my everyday heavy lifting but i use that just for my media and some days I don't look at it, but I, I look at it often throughout the week and respond to people. And if you have any ideas for me, I have a, as I mentioned before, I have a small group of people throughout the United States now that send me ideas and good clips they've seen on any of the amazing number of platforms you can connect to. And many of them, I'm not checking them all the time. So they're way ahead of me. So way to go, all y'all wherever you're living. You can also uh, listen to us if you're uh, one of those podcast people that listen from another state or not in Northern California. We do a live show on Saturday uh, from 10 to 1. That's Left Coast time again. But you can listen on on the internet if you go to live365.com. That's live with the numbers 365.com. And then click on radio and then put in the call letters KMYC, M like in Mickey, YC, KMYC. And uh, you you will get a live stream right there. So you can listen to it uh, other than on your, uh, just if you're stuck at a computer or since you can't listen to the radio and get it, it's an AM live radio station. It's got... Uh, the power to reach a few counties around Northern California. So if that's interesting to you, uh, jump on it. We do cover some similar topics in both places, but then some different topics as well. Uh, so whatever your privilege, uh, we, we aim to try to please most of the time. I wanted to make a few announcements here, uh, to start off with. And that is, uh, there is an, a very important uh, Yuba County Supervisors meeting uh, this coming Tuesday, and there was one last Tuesday as well, and they and they were discussing something. Uh, it was a resolution. They just uh, well, it just went through the Sutter County Board of Supervisors a few weeks ago. But this is a resolution to support the Yuba Sutter Arts Council so they can go and apply for grants and all that stuff with the state of California, maybe other places. In other words, showing, hey, we support these guys. And normally, you know, that's typically a a no-brainer for supervisors. But there has been some controversy with this group. And they're a nonprofit group. And so the other thing that happens, uh, the Yuba County Board of Supervisors, Sutter County Board of Supervisors, and the city councils in in our area, there's three of them, 
Two of them, uh, at least, Yuba City and Marysville, give all these four entities, the two boards of supervisors and city councils, give money to the uh, Yuba Sutter Arts Council. Now, they don't give their own money. That The supervisors and council members do not give out of their own pocket. They're not like giving at Salvation Army kettle time in the little red kettle at Christmas time. They are taking your and my tax dollars by force. That's a robbery. That's not a theft. It's robbery. In other words, they'll come for you and for your uh, possessions if you don't pay them your taxes. And then they turn around and they don't feel that you're uh, charitable enough and they don't feel like you're smart enough to deliver your own charity money where you want it to go. Like, for instance, you may really like the arts, but you don't like the leader of the arts, who's a guy named David Reed. So therefore, you won't support the arts, right? Uh, so in other words, there's a lot of reason why people do a lot of different things with their nonprofit money. They might give to wounded warriors. They might, you know, they may have been a veteran. I'm not going to go on d- down a rat hole on this uh, donations thing but my point is that it never was the intention of the constitution of the founding fathers to endorse public entities like supervisors and state legislatures and city council to give our tax dollars to nonprofits or to charitable organizations of any kind so in fact i read this last week james madison fourth american president and and founder of the constitution some people say he's the author of the constitution he says i cannot undertake to lay my finger on that article of the constitution which granted a right to congress of expending or spending on objects of benevolence or charity the money of their constituents now you can if you follow this line of reasoning you can find a number of presidents uh in the early years of the united states that vetoed uh, the congressional interest in donating money to different causes that they were interested in. The one that Madison brings up is there was a bunch of refugees, and I can't recall what foreign country they were from. Uh, I don't know whether it's from like Jamaica or, you know, Dominican Republic or Haiti or Africa. I can't remember where the the refugees were come, but they were in a bad way. And some people wanted to give something like some of the congressmen wanted to give something like eighteen thousand dollars to for these refugees. And Madison didn't say it wasn't a good cause. He said that it was not the business of elected officials to give the people's money. It's not their money. It's the people's money. It's not Yuba County supervisors money. It's not Sutter County supervisors money. It's our money. And they do not have the right to expend our money for charitable causes. Now, the Yuba Sutter Arts Council is a charitable cause. Not saying anything bad about what they do. I'm just saying it's a charitable cause, and they ought not be getting tax dollars from the the public coffers. Now, they've been doing that for years and nobody really contends with it. Now, recently they went before the, the Sutter County Board of Supervisors and they just, the su- supervisor just slobbered all over them, backslapping the uh, Yuba Sutter Arts Council, and they all backslapped each other. That's what this is all about. Politicians give money out to get votes. That's what this is all about. They give money out and then they'll be able to say on their little brochures, that they're a big supporter of the arts. Well, they aren't a big supporter of the arts with their own money. 
They are big supporter of the arts with somebody else's money. That's called theft. When somebody breaks into your house and steals your money and gives it to somebody down the street, that doesn't mean they're charitable. That means they're a thief. And that's exactly what the supervisors and city councils of our two counties are. They are thieves and robbers. Exactly that. Now, recently, the Ubisoft Arts Council, uh, as they've been closed for COVID over many months, they begin to have their events again, which I think is great. And so when when people wanted to attend their events, whether they were free events or whether they were <clears throat> event you bought a ticket for, on top of how to get in, you had to show proof. In other words, you had to have a vaccine card, a shot card showing you got shot or, and you had to have an ID with a photo showing that you belong to that card. You couldn't borrow somebody else's card, right? And say, I'm Susie instead of Lou. You had to have a photo ID to go along with it. If you didn't have a shot card, you had to have a clean PCR test within the last 72 hours, I was told. And then on top of all that, after you've been PCR'd and shot, they won't even trust that. Now you have to wear a mandated mask because all that other stuff, I thought that other stuff was supposed to all work. Now you have to wear a mandated mask, not just any old mask. You have to wear one that the Arts Council has chosen. Now the Arts Council is literally practicing medicine without a license. When you mandate that a person put on a mask to enter your place, that's mandating, that's practicing medicine without a license because actually it's hazardous to your health. Now, it's one thing, it's one egregious issue for the councils or the boards to give our money away to nonprofit of any any kind. I don't care whether it's Little League or sending a bunch of kids across the country to cheerlead, a cheerlead competition, pay for it out of your own pocket. Pay for it out of your own pocket, not out of the public coffers. What makes this super egregious is the fact that after they've taken this money from the public coffers, then they turn around and discriminate on who can come in, like they are somehow an ancillary part of the government And they're going to force people to take the jab, which has been proven to be deadly and corrupting, and it isn't what they cracked it up to be. And then the whole thing, the PCR test is a fraud, the shot is a fraud, and the mask is a fraud. But they're going to jam that thing right up your rear end every time to go in and see to take part in their event. Now, to me, if the the government is supposed to endorse the Constitution, it's supposed to protect us. The Constitution says that we have uh, a right to pursue happiness in our country. And for now, now my feeling is now I, I may differ from a lot of folks. I don't have any problem with the black entertainment TV or the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, even though there's no National Association for the Advancement of White People. Or there is no white entertainment TV. Or there's any, there's no Academy Awards for just white people. Even though there's Academy Awards and special things for just black people. You know that? I don't have any problem with that. 
I don't have any problem with all black clubs, all women clubs, all homosexual clubs, all heterosexual clubs. I don't have a problem with that. Here's what I have a problem with. That's true freedom. Well, you can have any kind of golf club, you can have any swim club, you can have any volleyball club you want and exclude or include whoever you want. That's real freedom. But when you begin to take money from the government, that isn't the government's money. That is the citizen's money of the, of the United States of America or the state of California or whatever state you're in. And when you start doing that and then you're discriminating against one group of that uh, that population, you are violating the Constitution, in my view. Obviously, it's my view since I'm talking to you right now. And I don't take that lightly. And the reason they're getting away with it is nobody has spoken up about it, but it doesn't make it right just because people haven't spoken about it. So two weeks ago, even though people had been complaining to the supervisors about this and people have been picketing uh, down there at the uh, the different events in front. And they're not saying we don't like the arts or the arts are bad or we don't want to support the arts. We're saying let the arts be supported by people out of their own pocket, just like we support all other kinds of arts, all the uh, arts and, and public and, and uh, things for the public good. Whether they're churches or non-churches or the Audubon Society or whatever little league whatever we support it out of our own pockets we donate there's no country in the world that doesn't give more of their that gives more of their time and money than the united states of america but to take that money out of the public coffers and then the amazing thing is all of these entities are complaining they don't have enough money but then they just chip away at it and give money to this and give money to that and give money to this all in charity Yet it isn't charity when you take money from one person and give it to another. That is redistribution of wealth. That is communism. That is socialism. If you, if supervisors and city council people are bleeding hearts about any issue, they have a pocket full of money and they have a, they have a ATM card and they have all kinds of money out there. They got a check they can write. They can take care of that with their own money. And they could even take out an ad said, I love the arts. God bless them. And I encourage you to give to the arts too, but we're not going to take any of your tax money and give to them, but we still like them. That would be perfect. I think that's great. Pay for it out of your own pocket. Now, so the Sutter County arts, so the Sutter County supervisors, they just slobbered and spread their DNA all over the arts council. Like we, we just love you, bro. We, we got you. We, we, it's our money and we're going to give it to you. Right. And you do whatever you want down there and how you want to run your operation. I, I, uh, and, I, and I'm sick of the government fussing around and telling us how to run our operations, too. I'm just saying that the whole relationship is screwed up. Now, the Yuba County Board of Supervisors the other day when the Arts Council went there, there were people that went there to, to argue against the Arts Council getting tax dollars and then turning around and discriminating against classes in our society, groups in our society. And the supervisors hedged a bit and said, well, wait a minute, maybe these guys have a point. And they said, maybe we ought to table this. 
So they tabled it, and they're bringing it back up for a decision this coming Tuesday, just a couple days from the time that I'm giving this talk, if you listen to it on Saturday. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Now, if you don't understand this topic, this is not a hard topic to research. And uh, many, many presidents of the United States were adamant, and they actually vetoed things that Congress was putting through where they wanted to give, give, be charitable with the tax dollars. And so here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If, if you don't start standing up, we're going to end up with a totalitarian regime in, in our country. I mean, we always, we're there now. So you have an opportunity to write to supervisors by email. Or you can write them. Now, their names are listed on the county, Yuba County Board of, uh, Board of Supervisors website. You can also go to freedomco.net and find the Yuba County Supervisors contact information. But basically, uh, you can, and I want you to write them and give them your opinion on this. And we, we should let them know. Now, I heard that Don Blazer, who's a new supervisor, is upset at Glad Tidings, a church. It's interesting. You know, the Nazis got upset at the Jews and they labeled them vermin and rats and and they labeled them as the trouble with their society. It's interesting that these a variety of people that are showing up and speaking about this, they're not people that it's not just a big glad tidings group, but Blazer's got a bean up his nose somehow about glad tidings and now has labeled them as a re- religious offscouring. I'm telling you that is dangerous. Because once you start labeling a group, whether it's a black people or Hispanic people or Chinese people or a religious group uh, of any kind, uh, you're getting into really dangerous territory because you're labeling and stereotyping everybody that goes there. It's like labeling all little league parents or labeling all, all people that go to the Elks Club. It's crazy. They're all individuals, and they may even have different views on different topics. But Don Blazer is going to vote. He's already said he's going to vote to endorse the Arts Council because Glad Tidings somehow has raised a fear about this, and Glad Tidings has not. It's a group of individuals that have been standing up for all kinds of things in our community during this COVID fight. And so the first thing you do that causes a problem with a group of people is to label them. We're going to take a break right now, and then we're going to, I'm going to keep on with this for a couple more minutes. We'll be right back. we got five more segments. When my way gets a little cloudy And my nights oh, get a little This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Earlier, I told you about Callum Miller, an Oxford University researcher and medical doctor. He exposed outright falsehoods touted by pro-abortion media, the World Bank, UNICEF, and the United Nations, among others. They claimed 12,000 women die each year in Malawi from illegal back-alley abortions. This, they say, requires pro-life nations to legalize abortion to protect women. Another false conclusion. Dr. Miller showed the real number to be around 1,100, less than 10% of the falsely touted number. To its credit, a major British news outlet, The Telegraph, has come clean 
and published a correction, a big pro-life victory. Dr. Miller says the Royal College of OBGYN should follow suit, but so far they're sticking to the well-worn line. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Our uh, liquor license, our health department license, and our basic business license have been removed because we did not comply with the mayor's masking and or checking personal medical status. My name is Eric Flannery. I'm the managing partner of the Big Board. It's a Washington, D.C. restaurant. The city implemented a these mandates on January 15th. I did some soul searching and looked and said, you know what, the Big Board's been a place where everybody's always been welcome, and we're gonna continue to be a place where everybody's always been welcome, or always will be welcome. The health department came in, they, they saw some stuff that we needed to fix. I went ahead and fixed it all. I got a, everything's fixed great from the health department when they came in, except for the portion of complying with the requirement that my staff wear masks and that we check people's personal medical papers when they came in. They removed the liquor license on a Friday, and by the following Tuesday, they had come in to remove our health department license. So right now at Big Board, we've obtained legal counsel. I think, ultimately, uh, DC's gonna come to the right answer. It's the capital city of the United States of America. I love this country, I serve this country. I, I believe in what it is. I have to be optimistic, I, I really do. But in the end, people are gonna realize that these aren't any kind of partisan values, they're American values. They're values that we all have grown up and known to be true. There are so many people from everywhere across this great country of ours that are, that are sending stuff to me and sending letters of support. This is just one. This is just one of the many, many that I have. Uh, this is from Amherst, Wisconsin. Just want you to know, do not, you do not stand alone in your fight against this total ridiculousness. We appreciate folks like yourself who are willing to uh, risk your livelihoods to fight for our freedoms. Uh, we know this is a drop in the bucket for the financial losses you must be experiencing. Uh, thank you for standing up. And then they left a quote. Uh, now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their country. Now more than ever. And uh, I've never met them before in my life. I, I, don't, I don't even know if I've ever been to Wisconsin, but they, they put a $500 check in there. And uh, wow. I mean, thank you. Thank you. And there, there are so many people who are who are doing this and it's so, I know we're doing the right thing. My goal has always been to get this bar back open here in, in Washington, D.C. and I really think we can get that done. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Now, it doesn't require expropriation or confiscation of private property or business to impose socialism on a people. What does it mean whether you hold the deed to the, or the title to your business or property if the government holds the power of life and death over that business or property? And such machinery already exists. The government can find some charge to bring against any concern it chooses to prosecute. Every businessman has his own tale of harassment. Somewhere a perversion has taken place. Our natural unalienable rights are now considered to be a dispensation of government. And freedom has never been so fragile, so close to slipping from our grasp as it is at this moment. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the Founding Fathers. 
Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. This is the issue of this election. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. Man's own old age dream, the ultimate in individual freedom consistent with law and order, or down to the ant heap of totalitarianism. And regardless of their sincerity, their humanitarian motives, those who would trade our freedom for security have embarked on this downward course. In this boat harvesting time, they use terms like the great society, or as we were told a few days ago by the president, we must accept a greater government activity in the affairs of the people. But they've been a little more explicit in the past, and among themselves, and all of the things I now will quote have appeared in print. These are not Republican accusations. For example, they have voices that say, the Cold War will end through our acceptance of a not undemocratic socialism. Another voice says the profit motive has become outmoded. It must be replaced by the incentives of the welfare state. Or our traditional system of individual freedom is incapable of solving the complex problems of the 20th century. Senator Fulbright has said at Stanford University that the Constitution is outmoded. He referred to the president as our moral teacher and our leader. And he says he is hobbled in his task by the restrictions of power imposed on him by this antiquated document. He must be freed so that he can do for us what he knows is best. And Senator Clark of Pennsylvania, another articulate spokesman, defines liberalism as meeting the material needs of the masses through the full power of centralized government. Well, I for one resent it when a representative of the people refers to you and me, the free men and women of this country, as the masses. This is a term we haven't applied to ourselves in America. But beyond that, the full power of centralized government. This was the very thing the Founding Fathers sought to minimize. They knew that governments don't control things. A government can't control the economy without controlling people. And they know when a government sets out to do that, it must use force and coercion to achieve its purpose. They also knew, those Founding Fathers, that outside of its legitimate functions, government does nothing as well or as economically as the private sector of the economy. So I'm told that Don Blazer, maybe there's others on that board that got a bean up their nose about a church. 
I thought, well, good for them. Why don't you label the Mormons? Why don't you, why don't you label the Jehovah Witnesses? Why don't you label a Baptist? Why don't you pick out a church and, and say that all the people that go to that church are somehow weirdos or uh, a cult or something? Yeah, first of all, you know, you'll find that people, when they, they don't have a good argument about an issue, they'll come out and just label you racist. Like, it's cancel culture. Don Blazer's talking about cancel culture. And he's wanting to cancel a whole group of people out it, because he, he doesn't even know who goes to that church. It happens that the, the church of Glad Tidings, about five or six people out of five or six counties attend that church. A good deal of them go to, are from Yuba County, but not the majority. And so he's got a big bean. And so he's going to say, well, if, if Glad Tidings is against this, he, he should take a poll of all the people that are in the audience when they come to the meetings and say, listen, how many of you are Jews? How many of you are, are, are uh, Native Americans? How many of you are like immigrants, right? And so he can, he can like target people and be better at people. I want to give you some addresses. So these addresses are their county websites. So you know how where you, you put the name of a person and you have the at sign? If you'll write down the at sign, and then the rest of it is all the same for all the five supervisors. So it's co.yuba.com. Dot ca dot us. I'll say it again. Co dot yuba dot ca dot us. And in the front part, I'm just going to give you their names. You can look these up at the uh, freedomco.net website, or you could go to the Yuba County Supervisor website, and you could look at A Vasquez, D Blazer. That's V A S Q U E Z for Vasquez. Blazers B L A S E R B L A S E R. Seth Fuhrer, which is F-U, that's, uh, sorry, Seth Fuhrer, that stands for S-F-U-H-R-E-R, S-F-U-H-R-E-R. And you've got Gary Bradford, his is G, Bradford, B-R-A-D, Ford, F-O-R-D. And finally, Randy Fletcher, R, Fletcher, F-L, it's R-F-L-E-T-C-H-E-R. And then the ending end of it is all for all of them it's at co.yuba.ca.us now if you have an opinion about this i think you ought to stand up and make a point about it again it has nothing to do with the idea of music or paintings or dance or poetry or writing or anything we all love that i mean i think most people do i i i i use them all every week I'm reading, listening to music. I'm enjoying life every week, paintings, the whole thing. So what we're talking about here is people taking the government's money, which you remember, it's our money. The government doesn't have any money. They take it from you and spend it. They should be spending it on the police and fire and patching the roads and doing the infrastructure of our community. Instead, they somehow go from their job, like selling insurance or fixing brakes or farming, and all of a sudden they get over there and they think they're little gods. And they think they, they just somehow get a revelation and that they're going to just like change the world by introducing music to the world. And that isn't their job. Their job is to protect and, and uh, support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of California. Now, if you want to do something, you say, oh, I wish things weren't, weren't, weren't this way. Then do something. Get off your butt and do something. 
So, okay, uh, I'm going to move on here. All right. I want to mention this. There's going to be a very special time on um, the 26th of March for the Republican Central Committee of Yuba County. It's going to be a fundraiser dinner at the Peachtree uh, Country Club, Golf and Country Club, in just outside of Marysville. And uh, they're they're wanting you to come to it. Now, it isn't a huge hall like where you can put hundreds of people in. So uh, go out there, sign up for it. It's $50 a seat, or you can actually rent the whole table and go online. I don't have time to detail out the whole skinny on the deal. So it's the 26th. It's March. You can go on their website. That's where you can find out at YubaCountyRCC.org. YubaCountyRCC.org. There's going to be all kinds of people there. You can you can have a good time. Sure, you're going to find somebody you like to talk to. And uh, YubaCountyRCC.org. You can find out what's going on there, all the things you can bid on. Uh, my, my goddaughter said they got really cool donations to uh, auction off. I think they got some guns they're going to auction off, and they got some other cool stuff. Anyway, uh, it starts, I think, at 5.30 at night. But in, get the scoop from there, or you can dial up. If you got something you want to donate to them uh, for a good cause, to ch- here's a good cause. To make Yuba and Sutter counties more conservative and reflective of the Constitution, a real constitutional county, wouldn't you like to be known for that? So you could call 530-777-5021. Once again, 777-5021. Okay? I also have some of these 18 by 24 signs. Uh, no trespassing signs. They come free with the stands. Uh, if you want them, I, I'll have them on my front porch. You just give me a text, and I'll stack up as many as you want out there. I put. I have one in the window of my house. It's very effective. Caused my gardener not to come by anymore until I had to re, re, rehire him. He thought I fired him. Was I was gone. I didn't want anybody to trespass. Uh, we're trying to keep people off our property that don't belong there. That includes the government of the United States when they're trying to come and take advantage of us instead of uh, come with a warrant, a warrant, right? And uh, so anyway, uh, if you want one, it expresses the laws right there. It's very, very, uh, it's tidy. It's tidy and clear. 18 by 24, you can lean it inside your window, keep it out of the weather, or you can stick it right in your planter in a nice deal, and it'll, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll handle the weather super duper. Okay, if you're interested. Let's see. Uh, I got a clip, great clip coming up that's going to uh, blow your mind on why I'm even talking about no trespassing with the, uh, the, the amount that the government is paying these local health Nazis to run around and jab people. Okay, the other thing, uh, somebody showed up at Church of Glad Tidings said I was talking about some petition. Uh, actually, it wasn't just somebody. It was, I don't want to mention his name, but it's an old friend, longtime friend from back in the 70s. And we both uh, started following Jesus at the same time. But he was looking for petitions I was talking about on the air. So here's the deal. Go to CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org. What we're trying to do is put a, uh, a measure on the ballot that is going to uh, uh, get, uh, give us a chance to vote to have educational choice for all our kids, K-12. through and the way that works is that you will be able to choose any accredited school and then the money that the some of the money the government sets aside for your child out of taxes 
to educate them, $14,000 a year will go to the school of your choice. So that if you're paying tuition, if you're paying taxes, plus you're paying tuition on a private school, this will take the pressure off, baby, and cover that tuition on that private school uh, or cover a lot of it. So it's called the Education Freedom Act. But if you go to CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org, you can download the petition. Now, uh, if if you don't have a printer or there's problems out there, if you'll call uh, out this, the glad tidings and see if they have any Education Freedom Act petitions or just ask for Courtney Ortega. Now, if she disappears, she is close. She has a child that's wanting to come out of her and uh, any day. So if you can't get a hold of her, you think, Lou's just give me a bum steer. These people are flaky. Sometimes people have overwhelming experiences, and that I think a baby is one of them. So, But other people can help you out there. Just say, hey, Lou says on his radio show, there's a CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org petition that we need to sign to get this on the ballot. We need one million signatures, and we may be close to being over on not getting the signatures, but running out of time because there's a limit on the time, okay? So the other thing is Apple Bistro, I just saw. The El Dorado County Supervisors, these people are real Nazis. I would like to go to one of their board meetings and just let them have it. They are giving a cease and desist order to a, a restaurant, like a restaurant. How dangerous is a restaurant, right? Not for like killing people through bad food or poisoning people or ripping people off, charging them twice with credit card ripoff or something. The only offense they did was to stay open and try to stay alive during COVID. That's the offense. And these guys are so pissy up there in El Dorado County and such bullies. These guys are tyrants. This is everything our founding fathers said. You should take a gun and shoot these people because they are coming and stealing. They're coming and raping your well-being. They're destroying your business. Now, all oh, these government employees, they don't like me to talk like that because how dare you talk like that? Listen, why don't you go out and get a real job? Lay your government push paper pushing job down and go out and start a business that actually provides a real service for people. In other words, if you died, we'd really miss you. Most government employees, if you died, we would never miss. In fact, we may delight that you're gone because we don't have to put up with your crap. But most of you, if you died, we just wouldn't miss you. Like, for instance, the public information officers. Who cares? Right. If you're t- like, uh, oh, it's summertime, it's 110. And I oh, I thought somebody was supposed to tell me to drink water. I think somebody was supposed to tell me to stay in the shade or wear a cap or put sunscreen on my face and arms because I'm going to get cancer. Right. Oh, yeah. These public information guys, we couldn't live without them. You know who I can't live without? I can't live without people that grow food. I can't live without people that tell me when my I got how to how to see better out of my eye, right? Those are people I'm going to miss, not these government I want you to look at look down to the list on transparentcalifornia.com and look at all the government jobs. You think you're going to miss the psychiatrists that were paying over here at uh, behavioral health $450,000 a year, not a lifetime, one 
year, $450,000, when you could go down the street to another psychiatrist and get him for $160,000? And that crazy Steve Smith over there that's running that county says, well, you know, told somebody, oh, well, you know, they have all these special credentials and stuff. Oh, please, please, like... Is there a BS meter? Is there a BS meter? He, you get about what? What do you get, Steve? Three hundred something, three hundred thousand. You get three hundred thousand, and and you actually draft letters to people at the Church of Glad Tidings, pleading, please, could you put a mask on if you're gonna like stay open during COVID? You're not gonna hide like the rest of us. You're actually gonna have a meeting, right? Even though you're non-essential, you're gonna have a meeting. Please put a little mask. Can't you put a Kotex around your face? Unbelievable. You pay P we pay people three hundred thousand, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars. It's unbelievable. And then they go after Apple Bistro. Listen, the best thing you could do is send her her name's Jeanette Wardlow or excuse me, Waldow. Waldo. W-A-L-D-O-W, Jeanette. And she's at Apple Bistro. Send her a check. Uh 2740 Highway 50. If you can't drive up there and buy some of her food, good food, they're open from 5 to 5. Every day, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., every day. 2740 Highway 50, Placerville, California, 95667. She's standing up for all of us. Apple Bistro. All right, so I mentioned uh, last week that that uh, the Constitute, there's a, uh, a meeting, a seminar coming up, and there was supposed to be several seminars. The The title of it is the Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers Association Training. So um, this was going to be in a number of counties, but the three organizers, one, two of the three are a married couple, and one of them has cancer. And right in the middle of this, uh, putting all these events together, we're going to, we were having one, we our plan is to have one on April 1st. It's a Friday. Uh, and, but what happened is the one, the one of the uh, part of the couple, one half of the couple has to get cancer treatment right away. And so they, they dropped out of coordinating this because of medical uh, crisis, a medical crisis. So uh, one gentleman is now running the whole thing with his wife and, uh, so they're not going to do as many as they were before. Like they're going to have one in Yuba City. And they're going to have one down in North Highlands. And they're going to have one here and one, one there. So they're going to consolidate the North Highlands one and the Yuba City one and stick with the Yuba City one. But they're, I, I've been advertising that the Yuba City one was going to be on April 1. So since uh, they're canceling one, they're going to move it. Uh, they're going to move make both of them on April 2nd. And it's going to be at... Church of Glad Tidings in Sutter County or just north of Yuba City. So it's April 2nd now. Save the date. And uh, it's going to be a one-day event, 8 to 4. Uh, it, the meeting actually starts at 9. It's registration and probably some snacks, coffee and stuff from 8 to 9. Morning session, 9 to noon. Then there's lunch from 12 to 1. And then there's a breakout session from 1 to 3. And summary and closing from 3 to 4.30. So the two speakers are the... Constitutional Sheriff and Police Officer Association founder, Sheriff Richard Mack. I've heard Richard Mack. He's very good. And constitutional attorney from Florida, Chris Ann Hall. Now, here's here's who should go. Anybody involved in law enforcement 
or any elected official who takes the oath of office and defense says, I'm going to defend the Constitution, these guys are going to give you a, a Gatling gun full of information about what that all means. And um, so this is if if you it's interesting to me in the public schools, they don't teach the Constitution anymore. And even what I remember about the Constitution, when I, I had to take a test on the Constitution to get through school uh, when I was a senior or junior in high school. And uh, I enjoyed every minute told how well, I don't have time to do all that. So I'm just going to tell you about the Constitution. So this is going to tell you more in one session one full day session. I, if I was a homeschooling parent, I would bring my children to this. Now it's on a Saturday. This one was on a Friday. So you, you don't even have to miss a day of school, but you could jam this in. I'm telling you, your kids will never, your kids will be far, farther ahead of any kids in California, at least, by listening to people like Chris Ann Hall. Chris Ann Hall is very, very interesting teacher of history. And Richard Mack is great as well. This is a $49 cost. For, it includes lunch. Lunch is on them. $49 includes lunch and training materials. So you're going to get booklet, you're going to get notes, and you're going to get lunch. So that's at Church of Glad Tidings, 1179 Eager Road, Yuba City, or Live Oak, California. It doesn't matter. It's right off Highway 99 between Live Oak and Yuba City. So uh, you can register. Oh, let's see. I, I don't have. I'm gonna have to come back and give you the registration. Uh, th- there's a particular registration website. I'm gonna have to come back next after the next break. I'll look it up and find it, and I'll give you the. It's like uh, something, something gorilla. But I'll give it to you exactly when when we get back. I'm gonna give you Jack Frost's number if you want to talk to him about it. It's Jack Frost is is the loan organizer at this point. Putting a, he's got a team together, but the key people. Uh, they had to go to Mexico to get some tr- treatment. So 916-616-7962. 916-616-7962. And if you want to email him, it's jackfrost46 at iCloud.com. Jackfrost46 at iCloud.com. And I'll give you the, uh, the where to get the tickets. Sign up uh, ahead of time when we come back after the break here. Okay, so... Um, let me mention a couple of people since I've just got a minute and a half. I want to uh, give a shout out to All Power Services. Uh, my friends over there, they fix anything that's got some kind of power device attached to it. And that means like a car or a motorcycle or a chainsaw or, or a mower or a weed eater, anything like that, right? These, and these guys do not collect broken stuff. They take it, fix it, and give it back to you quickly at, for a small fee. So all power services, they're, they're at 1469 Stewart Road, Yuba City, just south of Yuba City, off Highway 99. Their email is like their address, 1469. It's allpower1469 at gmail.com. And it's Will Fanning and Josh James. And their phone number is 530 Now, if you need some welding done, these guys are experts. I don't even, you know, you know how there's all the different types of welding and the certi- certifications. These guys got them all. They're into fabrications, custom welding. They didn't make it right. They come up with all the cool tricks. And so if you got some welding needs, whether on your big rig, I, I saw a big belly dump in there one day that dump, where they dump out gravel and, and uh, asphalt and sand and stuff. 
and they were putting all these huge plates rebuilding that bottom of that belly dump out. So they can do some gnarly stuff and uh, some really tricky stuff. So give them a shout out. And we're going to come back right after this break. Seems I've got you have a tonight was the resolution, the non-discrimination resolution, the CRT deal, because it's, it's happening. And as a parent, I speak to other parents, there's a few things that we don't want. I'm biracial, I'm bilingual, I'm multicultural. The fact is, in America, in North Carolina, I can do anything I want, and I teach that to my children. And the person who tells my little pecan-colored kids that they're somehow oppressed based on the color of their skin would be absolutely wrong and absolutely at war with me. And I think that's the same for every parent. What the mask showed us is that the parents, the most powerful group of people in our country, that they're taking back the wheel. Now, obviously, we had to take the wheel back for the mask, but we're taking the wheel back from Washington all the way to Raleigh and into our local school board. Because CRT, all of that, the parents don't want it. It's a big fat lie. There's not one if there if you believe in CRT, I want to tell you you're a liar because that means you look at your black neighbor and say that they're oppressed and you look at your white neighbor and say that they're evil regardless of the experience that you've had with them. And we're not going to do that. The parents in the United States of America right here in North Carolina and Cabarrus County, we know that's not true because we believe the lives we live. The fact is, I've been a business owner right here in North Carolina, and I deal with white people, black people, Hispanic people. My children deal with everybody. And the racism is only happening at the government level and on the media. The fact is, you have racists, and there's like, you can't even find them hardly. You just hear the stories about them. But this is, this is what we're dealing with. The parents are taking the wheel. I have an eight-year-old daughter who is absolutely dynamic, who can do anything athletically, intellectually, spiritually, and emotionally. She is a dynamo. And I don't want a man swimming against her in the pool. The fact is, I don't want her playing against boys in soccer. I don't even let my sons rough her up. Do you think I'm going to let your son rough her up? This is what we're talking about. Policy going back to the parents. Because if you think people who love America are willing to fight for it, you haven't met parents yet. Because I'm telling you, parents will go further down any street than anyone who loves their country alone. My name is Brian Echeverria. I thank you for your service, and we're taking back the wheel. In San Francisco, one of a group of school board members was booted off the board for what parents are calling their progressive priorities. She actually tweeted this before they got rid of her. So if you fight for racial justice, this is the consequence. Don't be mistaken. White supremacists are enjoying this. And the support of the recall is aligned with this. And that was actually after she was booted. But a bunch of outlets have raised the alarm for Democrats as the parents' uprising goes nationwide now. Some headlines reading, the left is losing the war on parents. Others adding that... Republicans should be optimistic now about the education fight. Meanwhile, in North Carolina, one dad's angry speech at, a CR, at CRT at a school board meeting has gone viral. Watch a bit of it. 
I'm biracial, I'm bilingual, I'm multicultural. The fact is, in America, in North Carolina, I can do anything I want, and I teach that to my children. And the person who tells my little pecan-colored kids that they're somehow oppressed based on the color of their skin would be absolutely wrong and absolutely at war with me. All of that, the parents don't want it. It's a big, fat lie. There's not one if there If you believe in CRT, I want to tell you, you're a liar. That dad, Brian Echevarria, is in focus right now. Brian, thanks for being with us. So first of all, why did you feel like you needed to say all of that? What has the pushback been like? The, the pushback it has been minimal, actually. I mean, I live in a great state. Our school board actually passed a, uh, a non-discrimination uh, resolution trying to cut off the CRT. And it's, it's been overwhelming support, actually. And, and the, the consensus is parents are tired of it. You know, we're raising our kids to be dynamic in so many ways. And then here comes the left telling them that they're not dynamic. They can't be. You're black. You can't do. And I think we're all just tired of it. So you felt like you needed to say this because why? Because it's somebody has to stand up. Here I am, biracial, bilingual, multicultural. You know, the, every time someone stands up to say something, it's along that lines. They're white supremacists and, and, and they're racist. Well, if... Having a thriving small business, raising children who are confident. I mean, when did that become the idea of white supremacy? I think black people, Hispanics, I think all parents are, are desiring their children to have those opportunities. All Americans. I, I thought this part really stood out to me uh, in what you were saying. You said, and I think that the same for every parent with the mask showed us that parents, the most powerful group of people in our country, that they are taking back the wheel. Who yes. are you taking the wheel back from? And I saw you in that video, you kind of kept turning around and you united a bunch of people because the, the key resource is our Americanism. Yes, yes. We're taking back the wheel from government officials, from radical leftists, the, the media. The fact is parents, every, every policy is a parenting issue. When you talk about my taxes, when you talk about CRT, when you talk about the, the taking away of liberties with mask mandates. That's a parenting issue because we're all wanting the world to be a great place for our children. Every one of these children are going to make the world like this in 10 years, in 15 years. And, and those people on the left, they understand that. So they're trying to poison them, sap confidence, sow division, and we're not having it. Parents are literally the largest interest group in our country, and we agree on 90% of the issues. We're unstoppable when we just use everyday common sense, you know, and, and that's what policy should be protecting, is our opportunities to live our life day to day. Look, Brian, before I let you go, I, I feel like this is somewhat the elephant in the room when you go to meetings like that. I mean, I'm a parent too. Um, my husband and I have been. And we're a biracial couple. And there is a look that, well, all of us must simply agree because we look the same. And that the true diversity in the room that I saw last night and those that, that my husband and I go to that we think we bring into the room is diversity of thought actually is a beautiful thing and in its own lane. Yes, I, I agree with you. Diversity for diversity's sake alone is a loser. You know, the idea is we're coming together in thought, not, not skin color. We don't need X amount of white people and, and B amount of black people. That's, that's not the way it works. And the reason we're united is because of the way policy touches our front door, the way it affects our family. 
So Democrats typically argue in terms of theory. In theory, what is this? But in application is where, where our heart goes. And that's where parents are. We're seeing how these things affect our homes, the confidence of our children, the way they interact in the world they're going to live in. And we're taking back that will. We're saying we're going to live a life that we worked for and provide a better mm. one for our children. No one's messing it up. Here's the uh, here's the place to register for the April second, eight to four. They just call it an eight to four lunch included. It may run over a tad. So it's uh, the website's gorilla g o r i l l a, like the animal gorilla learning institute dot org. Gorilla learning institute dot org. And uh, you should be able to register fine right there. GorillaLearningInstitute.org. Jack Frost, 916-616-7962. Get registered. I'm telling you, you need to be creative as as a parent. I, I would have all my kids in there learn, to sitting in on this constitutional talk. Uh, but, but I'm telling you, it's going to be at the level where uh, deputies, police officers, they'll, they don't get this kind of training in. According to law enforcement people I talk to, they do not get constitution training in the police academies. What they get is to understand the law and the codes. What's behind it all is the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of California. And so uh, elected officials, uh, some of them are going to get burned uh, on this COVID thing. They, they, they're going to get burned before it's over for what their decisions were and their actions or lack of actions. So it might prove if you're going to stick around and go be involved in politics is to learn what you're really swearing to. It's amazing how we swear to do this and swear to do that. We don't know Jack Diddley what we're obligating ourselves to. All right. So uh, I'm going to uh, let's see. Let me get back up here to where I can see what I'm doing. I want to mention uh, one, one of our other uh, helpers here. Uh, and that's Dr. Joe Cassidy with uh, Peachtree Health. And uh, Dr. Joe and I have been working together for three or four decades. And we've been working a lot on, uh, we work on tattoo removal together. We work on um, getting addicts help when the government uh, has all the money to treat addiction, but they don't do a lot. So we got tired of seeing people drop dead on the streets of fentanyl overdose, etc. So... We're suggesting that you contact Peachtree Health and get an appointment with Dr. Cassidy if you're addicted to anything. Cigarettes on up to fentanyl. 530-749-3242. He will help you get off. And and uh, we have various approaches for the different kinds of addicts. 530-749-3242. Tell them you want an appointment with Dr. Cassidy. And when they say why, just say addiction. And that should do it. If you have any hitches in the get-along on the front end, I'm going to give you his number to text. Don't call it. Text it. 530-682-8648, 682-8648. Text him and just say, can't get in. I need help. Addict. Put your name 
and uh, he has, I guess you'd have your number. So if all else fails and you get frustrated, just call me up. I, I answer my phone all kinds of times, seven days a week, 530-713-1838, and I will get you connected. And I do it for a lot of people, no problem, 530-713-1838. Okay. So I want to I want to play a clip right now that is just a very short clip of Bill Gates sitting on a platform with a bunch of women, uh, maybe five women. I don't know what the whole event was, but there's just a 40 some second clip. And um, and just I want you to just listen to it. I'm going to make a couple comments about it. OK, just give me a second. What about masks? I think there are a lot of people in America who are confused about whether they should be wearing a mask. And in the United Kingdom, for example, they've scrapped that altogether. Well, that's interesting. You know, what is the downside of wearing a mask? I mean, it's got to be tough. You know, you have to wear pants. Uh, I mean, this is tough stuff. These societies are so cruel. Why do they make you wear pants? I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, <laughs> We're very glad you have yours on. Um, so, uh, that will be on the web. Uh -oh. For sure, will be on the web. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was so funny! <laughs> All right, I want you to think about just not only the words he said, but the tone he said it in. Now, if you saw that video like I did, you can see it on YouTube. And you look at the smile on his face and the smirk and the way he sits in the chair, and the way his body language, excuse me, his body language, and you see him flirting with these women, it's just screaming dysfunction and pervert all over it, and his, his mocking of people uh, having trouble or having uh, resistance to the mask is just, and he compares it, of course, as you heard, he compares it to, oh, it, it's really difficult. You know, we, yeah, we have to, there's requirements in society. We have to wear pants, right? Bill Gates is one of the most arrogant people, immoral people. His wife was faced with a guy who was constantly unfaithful to her, not only with, with uh, women, adult women, but it looks like that he made a number of trips to, what do they call it, Epstein Island, Fantasy Island, or whatever it was, where there were underage females <clears throat> that were basically entrapped down there because they couldn't get off the island once they got there, and all these pedophiles, Clinton, uh, Dershowitz, all these people, Roberts, did Judge Roberts go down there? All these people just shocking that they would go to this crazy island, right? So he goes down there, and then he's also trying to vaccinate the world, and particularly in brown countries, he uh, packs a sterilant. In other words, he sterilizes women, trying to tell them it's going to be a tetanus vaccine or a polio vaccine. And in, in those vaccines, he actually keeps them from having uh, the ability to produce, produce a child. He's being sued in Africa, the, the continent of Africa and the nation of India. And he's just a complete liar. The guy is, a, is off the hook evil. And he's, he's one of the key people behind this cabal trying to take over the entire world and run it with a one world government. And I think it says even the women mocked him 
and one one gal, the moderator on there, that one lady on the right, says, "Well, yeah, we're glad you kept your pants on as well, as opposed, you know, with the whole mask thing, people taking off the mask." But he just he just, in other words, it's a typical thing of the, the Nazis slandered the Jews. Don Blazer is slandering. Glad tidings. Uh, Gates is is mocking and slandering anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers. In other words, you're just anti. In other words, you're not pro-life, you're anti-abortion. You're not pro-freedom, you're anti-the board of supervisors. Right? You're not uh, pro-constitution, you're anti-the arts council. That's the way they label people before they destroy people. And then when you keep labeling people negatively, then you're able to destroy them without much of a hiccup in your society. That's why it was so easy to murder millions and millions and millions of Jews and Catholics and gypsies and all kinds of people. Because you got the brain, you got the brain like a Don Blazer over to Board of Super. It's the same thing. Just because you're small potatoes in Yuba County doesn't mean you don't have the same evil lurking in your mind, in your soul. All right, so let's move on. This global move, I don't know what's going to happen. I do not what's no, going to know what's happened. Gonna, I don't know what's going to happen in the, uh, the United States of America, but I just want to read you something that, uh, let's see if I can find it here on my phone. I've been working with Ukrainians that are immigrants to the United States for many years and helping them do missions work. They do missions work in Mexico. They work with the poorest of the poorest of the poorest. People don't even have shoes on in these rural Mexican areas. They live in caves. And uh, they also do they also do uh, humanitarian work in ukraine where they came they're ukrainians they, a lot of them live in the sacramento area just an hour from where i live so vera who is my interpreter she's an ukrainian bilingual she interprets we ship truckload after truckload after truckload of missionary product you know humanitarian goods to this ukrainian missions operation she says tonight just before this telecast hello lou how are you from kiev Lutsik and Lubomir in Ukraine. I was I was notified that the bombing started yesterday, 5 a.m. their time, 7 p.m. our time. It's currently continuing. Russia went on attack with Ukraine from three different bo- borders all at once yesterday at 5 a.m. in the morning. Today, within two hours from now, they are afraid that Russia will do airstrikes as well as strikes from ships from Black Sea onto Ukraine. They're asking everyone to stand in prayer, to pray for Ukraine and for God's protection over Ukraine and for Russia to stop the war that they started yesterday from three borders on Ukraine. They are also asking us to pray for all the churches and people who are currently in Kiev and other cities where the bombing is continuing and there are more than 40 people dead already because of the bombing and a lot of people are wounded. Please pray for Ukraine. And for God's protection for Ukraine and for God to have mercy on Ukraine so there would there could be peace and no more war. Thank you for much for your prayers and support. Please continue to pray for Ukraine. Please announce to other ministries and churches to pray for Ukraine. 
This woman is a young Ukrainian. When I first met her, she was like a teen. Now she's late 20s, I think. She's a very bright woman and uh, cares for her homeland. Very sad. I don't know where we're going to go with this whole thing, but globalism is destroying the world. Our government has failed our people. I was talking to somebody today uh, about our boards of supervisors. They have severely failed. Thousands, uh, you're going to hear in a clip in a minute, uh, they're going to say eighteen to 20,000, I think, businesses were bankrupted in California during COVID. Our supervisors took part in that. Our supervisors who begged people to vote for them because they're going to bless them and help them and have their back and make Yuba County a greater, greater place in Sutter County. Our government has failed us. Corporations have murdered people for profit and are doing so today. Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, Johnson and Johnson, Janssen and Johnson and all the derivatives. They are murdering people for profit. Doctors, hospitals, and medical systems have betrayed their people and their patients. I just talked to a guy today, this morning. He said his mother-in-law was up in Adventist Hospital, and nobody could see her unless they had the jab card. I said, no problem, dude. I will produce you a jab card and go see your mom-in-law. Big tech platforms silence the truth. They shut out everybody. Anything you mention, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, uh, or remdesivir, and putting people on, they just constantly block that out. I'm talking about some of the brightest people on earth in medicine. They would not let them talk if they wouldn't put out, if they went against the propaganda. They silence the truth. It costs millions of lives. A lot of people took the jab. They're so sad that they took the jab today, but they took the jab and now they're damaged. Some of the best athletes in the world, I think his name's Kyle Warner, uh, one of the best uh, mountain bike people in the world, cannot mountain bike anymore. The One of the best free fallers, uh, jumping off the top of mountains. And uh, there was another, uh, th- there's two or three top athletes in their field, uh, completely can't, can't operate anymore because of myocarditis and stuff like that. If they would have known better, they thought they were doing a good thing by saving humanity by taking the jab. They were they were deceived. They were defrauded. They were they were led astray by our own very own government that swore to take care of us, to protect us, to protect the Constitution. Big media was complicit in the pandemic and the vaccine bio war against humanity. This is a bio war. This is not an accident. Some people just didn't make a big mistake. It wasn't a serendipitous moment. It wasn't a coincidence. It was a plan-demic. It was planned for decades. It's all in writing. It isn't sneaky. It wasn't in the dark. It's been right out in the open. They've stated exactly what they wanted to do, and you ignored it. Just because you don't read, you sit there, drink your Budweiser's, and and watch the boob tube all the time and have soft brain, Uh, that's not my fault. And now you're, you're hung out to dry. I just saw, wrote, read a great article in the uh, Epoch Times by a guy who said, 
the the way the you know communists have taken over through violence in many many overthrows they are taking over our country because we're soft because nobody wants to give up any of their pleasures nobody wants to give up any of their money nobody wants to sacrifice any of their evenings to go to a board meeting nobody wants to feel uncomfortable confronting the yuba sutter arts council and people saying oh what are you what are you guys doing out here oh yeah well i think i Right. No, you don't want to you don't want to confront. Oh, I you know, I used to have phone calls. People call me, Lou, something something happened over here. Why don't you do something? Why don't you write something? Why don't you go talk to them? Right. And I think what has happened to us? Why don't where's people's backbone? Where's people's ability to stand up and protect themselves and stand up for what's right? A lot of them don't even know what's right anymore. People have just become so soft that they're willing to give up. They think that they're going to give up and let some other government take us over. And they're going to let you keep your stuff, right? You need all you people that are comfortable and you don't want to give it. You need to go get Klaus Schwab's book, The Great Reset, and, and, or go on to the 2030 agenda and look at exactly. They're telling you what they're going to do. They're telling you in big, bold print what they're going to do. They're going to take your life. If they don't kill you, they're going to take all your possessions and you will not own anything and they will loan stuff to you to use. It's going to be stupid, stupid crazy. I've read it. I've read it. It's not a conspiracy. It was written by Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum. You should read it. The Great Reset. Go buy it. Go read 2030 Agenda. It wasn't, wasn't written by conservatives. It was written by the United Nations. The institution of science will never be respected like it was. It has deceived people. The hospitals have killed people. I call it hospital homicide. I call it mandate murder. That's exactly what it was. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not off the hook. You people are asleep. You are asleep. Let me say it five times. You were asleep. You were asleep. You were asleep. Wake up. Get out. Pour cold water on your face. Slap yourself. Have your wife slap you. You are in a doldrum. You are nothing impressive. You think it's going to be the same old, same old throughout your whole life? I'm telling you, it is not. And you're going to have only yourself to blame. You will be crying your tears by yourself. People like Don Blazer. The board of supervisors, some of these boards of supervisors who think, oh, well, you know, it's, you know, they're just off the hook and this is all, you know, we got this and we're going to go back to normal. We are not going back to anything we, we thought was normal. This is not going back to normal. If you don't stand up now, you're going to be left. Nobody's going to stand up for you. You are going to let everybody else get run over by this thing. These supervisors made money on this pandemic. They got their salaries, they got their retirement, they got their little vacations, they got all their holidays off. And then they, if they had other business, they made money. They didn't sacrifice, they didn't lose, they just backslapped all the way through it. What we've lived through over the last two years is corrupt, is deceptive, it's anti-human institutions waging war against truth and humanity showing their true cards and exposing the depth of their evil. Listen, people, this is flat out evil. Do you know, 
Do you know what it is? Uh, it's true evil when somebody gets elected and said they're going to serve the public and then they, they fill their pockets with cash like Dan <coughs> Flores. Dan Flores. Get in there and just see how much cash they can grab. You know, that's the sickness that is in America. It's, it's, it's the icon of sickness in America is Dan Flores. Just in it to skin it. Just skin everybody. Get some skin off everybody. I'm, I'm going to get that loan. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get how many salaries can I get being paid at once? I saw him on TV. He was standing in front of a field that he didn't even plant and taking credit for it. And uh, where the pastor of the church that planted it should have been getting credit for it and should have been interviewed. They interviewed Dan Flores, who's now being employed by Marysville, being employed by Sutter County, wants to be employed by his old school, Cambridge College. After he sold it, then he wants to go back in and get another salary. Just milk, milk, milk. He, he just needs to go to, out to a dairy and just squeeze the tits on those cows. Just squeeze, just milking everybody, milking everybody. We'll be right back. Wanna buy a new car But the price ain't right <laughs> Ain't that gold Be a downside cheaper Yes it would Start riding a bike <laughs> Listen They're making milk out of powder yeah, Gavin is. Newsom lied again No normalcy allowed I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. Instead of saying back to normal life, no more emergency, no more mass tests or vaccine mandates, Newsom didn't end anything. Even worse, Newsom still wants all school children to be jabbed with the so-called COVID vaccine. This is so wrong since the Omicron variant has nearly burned itself out. Healthy kids rarely have infection symptoms carry a very small viral load, and rarely spread it. Plus, the so-called vaccine is ineffective and is injuring and even killing children. For these reasons, please visit our special site, rescueyourchild.com. Yes, you can homeschool, micro-school, or church school your precious kiddos. SaveCalifornia.com, championing your values in California. A war is being manufactured between the Ukraine and Russia by Joe Biden and his administration. Why? Money. During the 2016 U.S. presidential election, Hillary Clinton and the military-industrial complex were chomping at the bit to invade Syria. Defense contractors like Lockheed Martin and Raytheon poured millions into Clinton's campaign, confident that Clinton would invade Syria and that their profits would soar. But that didn't happen. Trump won the election instead. And for four years, there was peace. And defense contractors took a massive hit. And now they want their money back. Enter China Joe. To be fair, Russia has every right to secure the Ukraine. The fact is that Ukraine isn't a democracy. The fact is that Ernst & Young has declared Ukraine amongst the top three most corrupt nations in the world since 2012. The fact is that Ukraine is seeking to join NATO, another corrupt institution. And the fact is that NATO was supposed to be out of the Caucasus region after the fall of the Soviet Union. That was 31 years ago. But guess what? They didn't leave. To put it in perspective, that would be like Americans having China on our Canadian border instead of just in our Oval Office like we do now. Just kidding. China's definitely in Canada. But notice that neither the Ukraine nor Russia are beating the drums of war. The U.S. is. 
Because the U.S. is run by private interests and war makes big money. Because private interests are invested in the rise of China. And because China can't rise without the fall of the U.S. Russia isn't the enemy. Russia is the answer. An allegiance between Russia and the United States would easily put China in its place. But the private interests running the U.S. don't want that. And their only allegiance is to money. Every representative is doing their bidding. If they weren't, they wouldn't be in office. There's only one way out of this corruption. Do you see it yet? God bless America. Let's start with what matters most, as usual, and it's America's energy crisis. Now, from sticker shock at the gas pump to extra dollars spent heating your home, Americans are feeling the pinch. AAA's average has the cost of a gallon of gas rising over a dollar compared to 2021. More expensive gas drives inflation because higher inflation costs are passed down to the customers, making your milk, your eggs, everything else more costly. You probably don't need me to tell you that. And for those living in frigid parts of the U.S., more expensive natural gas bringing the heat to both your home and your wallet. Now abroad, with Russia and Ukraine on the brink of war, already soaring energy prices run the risk of skyrocketing even further. How about $100 a barrel? Why? Because America is once again dependent on other nations for oil. Former Energy Secretary uh, under President Trump, Rick Perry, joins me in a matter of moments to offer some solutions. But first, here's a quick history lesson on how we got here. In 1908, the advent of the Model T, revolutionary. This put the world on wheels with the need for fossil fuel, oil, and refined gas to power the first affordable automobile. Oil would become a global commodity black liquid gold. Jumping to the 60s, early 70s, gas prices were below 50 cents, but that would take a drastic turn. Fast forward to 1973. OPEC put an oil embargo in place, crippling the petroleum supply, forcing gas prices to surge. It was to punish the U.S. and other nations for supporting Israel after Egypt and Syria launched a surprise attack on the Holy Land. Three months later, oil prices more than quadrupled. The first oil crisis hit. Odd even rationing was introduced. Drivers with even numbers on their license plates could only get gas on even numbered days. Likewise, for odd number plates, the era of cheap energy came to an end. 1974, the focus, becoming energy independent. That mission was born. That came under President Richard Nixon. For decades, Republican and Democratic presidents said the only way to achieve energy independence was through strict conservation measures, alternate forms of energy. Flash forward to Donald Trump's presidency. He didn't think another energy plan was the answer. The government needed to just get out of the way so oil companies could do their job. In 2018, the U.S. exported more in oil than we imported for the first time in decades. Thanks to Trump lifting drilling restrictions on energy production and going full speed on fossil fuel production, including fracking, which is extracting gas and oil from rock that's deep underground. We are energy independent for the first time. Under President Trump, the U.S. monthly crude oil production peaked in 2019 at 12.3 million barrels per day. By November 2021, that dropped to around 11.2 million. President Biden's administration made us dependent again. Biden killed pipelines, reversed nearly all of Trump's pro-drilling policies, making the West and Northern Europe 
depended on Russia for reliable energy. Now, a war between Ukraine and Russia could raise the stakes worldwide. President Biden vows to target Russia's energy industry, suspending its Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipeline that runs through Germany. While they try to make Russia suffer, so would their customers, like the NATO countries. If we kept our past plans in place, we could have been our allies' supplier. Cutting off natural gas could have ripple effects in oil markets. I spoke to the governor of North Dakota. He is being forced by the Biden administration to keep 500,000 barrels of oil a day in the ground. If those 500,000 barrels of oil a day were allowed to be produced, it would help the price on gas, and we wouldn't have Joe Biden begging OPEC to increase. At a time when we are trying to get oil to European partners, President Biden says pump less, dig less. You're paying more because the administration is restricting more. Gas prices in the U.S. are up 40% in a year. But unlike the 1970s, this is the price the president chose to pay. One MRC poll that we conducted found that 36% of Biden voters, not of all voters, of Biden voters, were not aware that there was evidence linking Joe Biden to corrupt financial dealings in China through his son, Hunter. As a matter of fact, it was so censored on social media that it would get you kicked off of Twitter if you posted about it. If you posted the link to the news article, I believe it was from the New York Post, that alone would get you booted off of Twitter. Nobody would let you share that story. And 36% of Biden voters after the election said that they had not heard that story. 9.4% said that if they had known about that story, they would have changed their vote. All my friends know the low rider. The low rider is a little higher. saw this meme a couple weeks ago. It says, imagine someone tells you that there's an emergency and they need to borrow your car for 15 days. Two years pass, and they still have no criteria for the emergency ending and no plans to give you your car back. The bottom line is, your car was stolen, dude. Wake up. Think about it. I saw this written. It's opinion. It's a letter to the editor. Opinion from a former judge. His name is Keith M. Alber in California. Keith M. Alber. Former judge says, I am a student of the law whose age is 85. My first year of college was 68 years ago. One class I took was political science. A half page of my textbook essentially outlined a few steps to overturn a democracy. Obviously, this judge is way different than the judges today. Number one, here's how to overturn a democracy. Divide the nation philosophically. Number two, foment racial strife. Number three, cause distrust of police authority. Number four, swarm the nation's borders indiscriminately and unconstitutionally. 
Number five, engender the military strength to weaken it. Number six, overburden citizens with more unfair taxation, like the Yuba and DeSutter County supervisors, and give it away to an arts council. Number seven, encourage civil rioting and discourage accountability for all crime. Maybe I should say number seven again. Encourage civil rioting and discourage accountability for all crime. Eight, control all balloting, voting, right? Nine, control all media. Mr. Alber, Judge Alber, says what was printed in 1954 as a possible diabolic nightmare has become an emerging reality. I hope that Americans will unite enough to pin a good finish. All right. Here's one about uh, Justin Trudeau. There's a guy that uh, I've read his articles over the years. Named P.J. O'Rourke. He used to write in the American Spectator a lot, but he's written in other places. He died, I think, uh, during this last 12 months. He said, at the core of liberal, there's a picture of uh, Justin Trudeau, and under it, it says, at the core of liberalism is the spoiled child, miserable as all spoiled children are unsatisfied, demanding, ill-disciplined, despotic, and useless. Liberalism is a philosophy of sniveling brats. That's P.J. O'Rourke. He's always a good writer. I want to mention George Washington's birthday. We just went to, pre- they call it President's Day now. I It seems to me when I was growing up in school that we had a Washington's birthday and a Lincoln birthday, and then it seemed like they combined them. And now we got President's Day. We don't even know what we're talking about. President of what? Venezuela? Cuba? I mean, you know, we got Harvey Milk Day where we celebrate a guy sticking his ding dong in a little boy's butt. I mean, what kind of what kind of crazy perverts are running our state? George Washington uh, birthday is celebrated as a federal holiday on the third Monday in February. That wasn't his real date. They just monkeyed around over the years to bless the federal employees with another paid three-day weekend. It is one of 11 permanent holidays established by Congress. George Washington was born in Virginia on February 11th, 1731. In other words, he didn't come over, folks, on the Mayflower. If you lost your conscience, you lost your sense of chronology. He was born here. His parents were here. He was born here, and he was raised in the colonies and started out in 1731. According to then used the Julian calendar. You remember, did you know that there were different calendars? In 1752, however, Britain and all its colonies adopted the Georgian calendar, which moved Washington's birthday a year and 11 days, <laughs> February 2, 1732. Americans, as a people, celebrated Washington's birthday long before Congress decided to make it a federal holiday. They just thought, hey, this dude was so amazing, let's celebrate George's birthday every year. And so there were festivities nationally and all that kind of stuff. At the recommendation of of a committee, a joint committee of Congress, chaired by Henry Clay of the Senate and Philemon Thomas, or Philemon, however you want to say it, of the House, Congress adjourned on February 22nd, 1832, out of respect for Washington's memory and in commemoration of his birth. Can you imagine anybody adjourning 
in the memory of Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or this nutcase, dementia nut uh, Biden. Prompted by a memorial from the mayor and other citizens in Philadelphia, the House and Senate commemorated the 130th anniversary of Washington's birth by reading aloud his farewell address. Can you imagine stopping? You know, in the Bible at one point it said they read through the book, the book of the Bible, the books of the Bible. Can you imagine everybody standing there and they read it to everybody, one person after another? I've heard out there at the Sikh temple, that during certain festivities or certain holy times that the priest or the, they don't call him a priest, the guru reads a good, the, the, the holy book read, just starts reading page after page, after page, after page, just verse after verse, after verse. So they read Washington's farewell speech in a special joint session held in the house chamber along with several cabinet officials, justices of the Supreme Court, and high-ranking officers of the Army and Navy. They gathered to listen to the Secretary of State read the address aloud. Eventually, the reading of George Washington's farewell address became an event for the Senate, a tradition that is still observed to this day. Let me check something. I'm just going to make sure I'm staying on track with something. One, two, three, four. Okay, I'm good. I just want to make sure I didn't overrun my time here. Uh, So it just gives some of the logistics on Washington's birthday. But uh, it says, contrary to popular belief, neither Congress nor the president has ever stipulated that the name of the holiday observed as Washington birthday was ever changed to president's day. Isn't that amazing? Who changed it? The media was the media just changed it. So I don't, I don't want to honor all the presidents because they weren't worthy of honor, but I will honor George. I think George is a great president. I'm going to play a clip right now that um, just a few minutes and it regards it's regarding the CDC spending our tax dollars to try to convince you to get the jab, public relations. And if you see any vans running around the town uh, that have to do with the vaccine, like Harmony Health or other things, those are all being paid for by our tax dollars, and it comes out to like $5,000 per injection. It, it, this is so unbelievably bad. All right. Um uh, Here we go. Since we're on the topic of vaccines, let's shift gears a little bit and talk specifically about Pfizer. On one of our previous episodes, we have already discussed how profitable Pfizer has become in the recent two years. According to their latest filing with the SEC, their COVID vaccine has brought them an unprecedented $36.8 billion in sales, making it quite literally the number one best-selling pharmaceutical product in a single year ever. However, there was something in that previous episode that we did not mention. And that's related to how much taxpayers are actually subsidizing Pfizer's business. In general, for a pharmaceutical company, there are two large expenses, marketing as well as research and development. Now, in terms of research and development, well, Pfizer's business partner, Biotech, they received $445 million in taxpayer funding from the German government in order to accelerate their development. However, after the vaccine was actually developed, they then turned around and then they attempted to charge the European Union 54 euros per dose, 
which for just comparison's sake was about 20 times more than AstraZeneca was charging for their vaccine. Now, eventually they went back and forth and eventually settled on charging around 15 euros for every dose, but you can get the idea. Then in terms of marketing, well, Pfizer has their work cut out for them. Because just as an example, if you go on over to Google and you search for largest criminal fine in US history, well, you will discover that the record belongs to Pfizer. In 2009, the Justice Department reported that Pfizer agreed to pay $2.3 billion in fines for fraudulent marketing. And so you can imagine that overcoming such a branding issue would be rather difficult. But that difficulty is alleviated by the fact that, from a certain perspective, the government is subsidizing the marketing for Pfizer. According to newly released documents that just came out of the CDC, they had a grant program in place which wound up spending approximately $5,000 per shot in convincing minorities to get the vaccine. Let me just repeat that. Through this grant program, the CDC spent $5,000 per person in order to convince them to get the shot. When you have a marketing force like that, well, it becomes a little clearer to understand why Pfizer is forecasting to bring in approximately $54 billion in COVID-related product sales in the year 2022. Regardless, let me give you some of the details regarding this program that you and I have been paying for. You might have see actually seen some of these specially equipped buses rolling around your neighborhood, the ones that are trying to convince people to get on and get the shot. You can see one of them up on screen there. But what you might have not realized is that a lot of these buses were actually being funded by the federal government. Specifically, these buses go on over to rural and minority communities that have been identified as places where, quote, healthcare skepticism is common and vaccination rates are low. And under this $6 million grant program from the CDC, teams across six different states have been rolling around since July trying to persuade people to get on the bus and get their COVID vaccine. However, according to Ms. Catherine Striley, who works for the University of Florida and who also helps to oversee this project, the efforts of this program have resulted in 1,200 shots of the vaccine, meaning that the $6 million investment from the CDC resulted in 1,200 shots. Or to put another way, each taxpayer-funded vaccination cost us, meaning the taxpayers, approximately $5,000. Now, the funding for this actual program comes from another grant called Pandemic, which stands for the Program to Alleviate National Disparities in Ethnic and Minority Immunizations in the Community. It's a mouthful, but that Pandemic grant was actually itself provided by the CDC's Partnering for Vaccine Equity Program. And according to that program's materials, the Pandemic grant has set aside approximately $156 million for organizations across the country to help, quote, improve adult vaccination access and increase vaccination rates. But of course, because it is a government program, we can only imagine how much real-world results the $156 million will ultimately translate into. All right, we got about uh, eight minutes to go here. Uh, I wanted to go on and just keep on this COVID topic a little bit. Some of my, so I got at least one friend that says, I, and he, he needs me to, or she needs me to stop talking about COVID. And I just think, you know something? It's, it isn't really COVID. It's a corruption of our entire political system. It's a corruption of our science system. It's a co corruption of our banking system. It's a corruption of our education system. We have tyrants in the house, people. We have communists on the shores. They didn't, like, fight their way to the shores. We, we invited them in. We kicked the door open. Title of this, it's uh, Paul Joseph Watson wrote this article. Prominent lockdown advocate admits he got it all wrong. He says there never was any form of analysis of the harms caused by lockdowns. A prominent lockdown advocate who advised the U.K. government admits in a new book he got it all wrong that there was never any proper consideration of the devastation that would be caused by lockdowns. Professor Mark Wool, Wool, like wool that you wear, Wool, 
Mark Woolhouse is a member of Spy-M, the modeling group on SAGE, the group that advises the British government on lockdown measures. SAGE has become notorious for consistently predicting doomsday COVID scenarios that never even come close to passing, such as last year's warning that Omicron could cause 6,000 deaths a day in UK without harsher restrictions. In a new book called The Year the World Went Mad, Woolhouse expresses regret at SAGE's involvement in pushing lockdown measures that caused huge devastation yet only served to delay the spread of the virus and ultimate immunity. We knew from February 2020, never mind March, that the lockdown would not solve the problem. It would simply delay it, said Woolhouse, adding that no one in government appeared to recognize the failing of that strategy. Uh, he says the early response to the, uh, the global response to the pandemic was woefully horrible or inadequate. Uh, he says he asked why governments set about imposing such brutal restrictions with seemingly no regard for their consequences. Quote, there, there was never at any age, a stage, even by following year, by the following year, any form of analysis of the harms caused by lockdowns. Were, were they even considered? I haven't seen any evidence that they were, and that is very, very troubling. As early as April 2020, SAGE was sent information confirming that lockdown lockdowns would cost three times more years than the disease itself, but there was virtually no consideration of the fact that those over 70 had at least 10,000 times the risk of dying as those under 15 years of age. Let me say that again. All you people that want to keep six-year-olds in masks, those over 70 had at least 10,000 times the risk of dying as those under 50 year, 15 years old. The government then lied to the public. This is a professor, top advisor in the United Kingdom. The government then lied to the public in claiming that the virus does not discriminate. You remember seeing those ads? I remember seeing those ads. I thought, you liars, you dirty liars, you propagandists, you're communists. He said that he said how dare the public they how dare they tell the public that the virus doesn't discriminate? It certainly discriminates. It does not make children sick. It it preys upon feeble old people. He said it was man. He said saying that it doesn't discriminate was manifestly untrue. He said, I heard the official argument caricatures as everyone died, but at least no one was saved unfairly. It's just so much baloney people. How I'm going to keep shouting this from the housetops until I'm dropped dead or there's a tremendous change in this country. It's we've been totally ripped off. Totally ripped off. Totally ripped off. I'm sick of it. Okay. I'm going to, uh, let's see. Time's a passing here. And I'm just, uh, I want to mention an author that I think you should read. His name's Peter. Last name's Schweitzer. Schweitzer. S-C-H-W-E-I-Z-E-R. Peter S-C-H-W-E-I-Z-E-R. Peter Schweitzer is a top-notch investigator, researcher, and has written amazing books about insider trading, 
Payoffs, Corruption in Congress, and his newest book exposes 20 red-handed Republicans who allegedly sold out to China. Now, he also lists in the book uh, the other other sides of the aisle as well. Uh, he accuses 20 current and former GOP members of having essentially sold out to the nation of China. The, the, the name of the book is Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. Uh, and so it, it's been attracting attention because it focuses a lot on the details, intricate details, and f- it's all footnoted, uh, and includes bombshells about President Biden and his extremely wealthy family and how they've been milking the U.S. government and milking China Uh, selling us out to China. But it also contains in the book a treasure trove of bombshells about elected Republicans ranging from current Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell. Do you know that Mitch McConnell is uh, married to Elaine Chao, who's who's been serving in multiple uh, liberal and conservative presidencies for years? And her... uh, her dad or her in-laws are involved in a major shipping industry in China. Regarding McConnell, Schweitzer reports, he reportedly writes that the Senate leader and his wife both enjoy some of the deepest and most abiding ties of Beijing-linked entities of anyone in Washington, D.C. Now, these people are totally compromised. Uh, in a recent interview, uh, Schweitzer says, if Mitch McConnell, let's listen to this, people, If Mitch McConnell takes a firm stand against China in the Senate, they could destroy his family business overnight. That's the kind of leverage I think Beijing wants, Schweitzer said. Breitbart wrote, he reported last week after Schweitzer's book came out, that McConnell's ties to China mostly stem from his his father-in-law's massive shipping business, which which built the family fortune by sharing a close financial financial relationship with the Chinese-owned companies like the Chinese State Shipbuilding Corporation. Do you remember that H.W. Bush, that's young George's father, he was a World War II veteran. He was the ambassador to China. Did you know that? And then he was head of the CIA. Then he was president, vice president. Then he was president of the United States. I'm going to talk about him when I return. celebrate bad presidents, but I'm celebrating George Washington. I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. In his 1796 farewell address, 
George Washington, our first U.S. president, reminded us that to have good government, we need morality, and to have morality, we need true religion. Washington said religion and morality are indispensable supports of good government, that they're the great pillars of human happiness. He said morality cannot be maintained without religion, and that reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. So you want good government? Follow George Washington's advice and get true religion first. Humble yourself under the Bible and under Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. SaveCalifornia.com, championing your values in California. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Earlier I told you about Callum Miller, an Oxford University researcher and medical doctor. He exposed outright falsehoods touted by pro-abortion media, the World Bank, UNICEF, and the United Nations, among others. They claimed 12,000 women die each year in Malawi from illegal back-alley abortions. This, they say, requires pro-life nations to legalize abortion to protect women, another false conclusion. Dr. Miller showed the real number to be around 1,100, less than 10% of the falsely touted number. To its credit, a major British news outlet, The Telegraph, has come clean and published a correction, a big pro-life victory. Dr. Miller says the Royal College of OBGYN should follow suit, but so far they're sticking to the well-worn line. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Uh, Winsome Sears, if you recall, this is the first black re- black woman ever elected as lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. She's Republican, uh, which kind of just goes to show you how dirty, rotten, and racist Republicans really are to uh, deign to elect the first black woman as Virginia's lieutenant governor. Um, but apparently on Monday, part of her job is to preside over the Virginia Senate. And somebody on Monday hid her gavel. You know, so I, I guess this isn't the first time that this had happened. This had happened before. Um, and it was absolutely hilarious because without even missing a beat, in when she didn't have a gavel to call the chamber to order, she used her shoe. She actually took off her leather high heel and used it as a gavel. Absolutely hysterical. Just as the Rocky and Star Wars movies had their sequels, so should the old classic fables. Here is the sequel to a well-known fable. Once upon a time, a grasshopper and an ant lived in a field. All summer long, the grasshopper romped and played, while the ant worked hard under the boiling sun to store up food for the winter. When winter came, the grasshopper was hungry. One cold and rainy day, he went to ask the ant for some food. What are you crazy? The ant said. I've been breaking my back all summer long while you ran around hopping and laughing at me for missing all the fun in life. Did I do that? The grasshopper asked meekly. Yes. You said I was one of those old-fashioned clods who had missed the whole point of the modern self-realization philosophy. Gee. I'm sorry about that, the grasshopper said. I didn't realize you were so sensitive. But surely you are not going to hold that against me at a time like this. Well, I don't hold a grudge, but I do have a long memory. Just then another ant came along. Hi Lefty, the first ant said. Hi George. Lefty, do you know what this grasshopper wants me to do? He wants me to give him some of the food I worked for all summer, under the blazing sun. I would have thought you would already have volunteered to share with him, without being asked, Lefty said. What? When we have disparate shares in the bounty of nature, 
the least we can do is try to correct the inequity. Nature's bounty? My foot, George said. I had to tote this stuff uphill and cross a stream on a log, all the while looking out for anteaters. Why couldn't this lazy bum gather his own food and store it? Now now George, lefty soothed. Nobody uses the word, bum, anymore. We say, the homeless. I say, bum. Anyone who is too lazy to put a roof over his head, who prefers to stand out in this cold rain to doing a little work, the grasshopper broke in. I didn't know it was going to rain like this. The weather forecast said, fair and warmer. Fair and warmer? George sniffed. That's what the forecasters told Noah. Lefty looked pained. I'm surprised at your callousness George, your selfishness, your greed. Have you gone crazy Lefty? No. On the contrary, I have become educated. Sometimes that's worse these days. Last summer, I followed a trail of cookie crumbs left by some students. It led to a classroom at Ivy University. You've been to college? No wonder you come back here with all these big words and dumb ideas. I disdain to answer that, Lefty said. Anyway, it was Professor Murky's course on social justice. He explained how the world's benefits are unequally distributed. The world's benefits? George repeated. The world didn't carry this food uphill. The world didn't cross the water on a log. The world isn't going to be eaten by any anteater. That's the narrow way of looking at it, Lefty said. If you're so generous, why don't you feed this grasshopper? I will, Lefty replied. Then, turning to the grasshopper, he said, follow me. I will take you to the government's shelter, where there will be food and a dry place to sleep. George gasped. You're working for the government now? I'm in public service, Lefty said loftily. I want to make a difference in this world. You really have been to college, George said. But if you're such a friend of the grasshopper, why don't you teach him how to work during the summer and save something for the winter? We have no right to change his lifestyle and try to make him like us. That would be cultural imperialism. George was too stunned to answer. Lefty not only won the argument, he continued to expand his program of shelters for grasshoppers. As word spread, grasshoppers came from miles around. Eventually, some of the younger ants decided to adopt the grasshopper lifestyle. As the older generation of ants passed from the scene, more and more ants joined the grasshoppers, romping and playing in the fields. Finally, all the ants and all the grasshoppers spent all their time enjoying the carefree lifestyle and lived happily ever after, all summer long. Then, the winter came. By and by. Just move on up toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time complication. All right, so uh, so we got H.W. Uh, Bush, the old man, who was just what I said he was. Uh, when he became vice president to Ronald Reagan, his uh, his ties with China really flourished. Prescott Bush, H.W. Bush's brother, met with Chinese officials in Beijing in February 1989, just days before the president was set for an official visit. That's H.W. Uh, Bush. Prescott's meeting helped close the deal to build a golf club in Shanghai, China, for non-Chinese business executives when they were visiting in the country. Prescott also met with Chinese officials on the same trip to push for the creation of a communications network across China. Prescott, this is Prescott Bush, 
was trying to secure the deal on behalf of New York-based Asset Management International Financing and Settlement, LTD, which had been paying Prescott Bush $250,000 a year. This is in 1989, people. So that was his pay, a quarter of a million dollars a year, and he was selling us out. Months later, Bush Sr. lifted U.S. restrictions on exporting satellite technologies to China, a boon for Prescott's client, Ask Asset Management. Isn't that nice? Prescott also reportedly launched the U.S.-China Chamber of Commerce, which exists to this day and has sought to further tether the U.S. economy to China. Schweitzer's book also lists connections between China and former House Speaker John Boehner, between China and former Senate Majority Leader Trent Lott, and former Mississippi Governor Haley Barber, and former Iowa Governor Terry Branstad, and former Senators David Vitter, Norm Coleman, William Cohen, Tim Hutchinson, and former Representatives Ronnie Freelandhausen, Ed Royce, Jeff Denham, California, Lee Terry, Jack Kingston, Cliff Stearns, Charles Bustany, Connie Mack IV, John Christensen. Uh, it might be something you want to read, folks. Oftentimes, as Schweitzer said, these deals come through family members, through a spouse or through a spouse's family. If you're friendly to Beijing or they want to capture you like they did with Eric Swalwell down in the Bay Area here, as it were, they sent Fang Fang over there to have sex with him uh, when he wasn't getting enough from his wife. And then they helped him with his campaign to win a congressional seat. As it were, they will give you very, very lucrative deals that can make you enormously wealthy, he said. If you look at Dianne Feinstein, Democrat of California, you look at Senator Mitch McConnell, a Republican of Kentucky, in both instances, their families, their extended families, have received hundreds of millions of dollars in deals with Beijing. The Feinsteins were good buddies with the uh, premier of China before he was the premier of China. That was in the days when he was just the mayor of 25 million population, Shanghai, China. But, you know, everybody moves on up, right? And uh, Dianne Feinstein cut herself a fat hog. By the way, do you remember that they finally, the, the CIA or FBI finally told Dianne Feinstein that for the last 20 years, she'd had her driver, which was a Chinese dude, was a spy. Do you think anything happened to Dianne Feinstein? Do you think the guy was arrested or he was shot or anything? No, he just was fired and he went back to China. Just unbelievable. This is unbelievable. I want to play a clip here that is about a situation where Gavin Newsom shut down the churches of California. You remember that? Called them non-essential. And then uh, when a couple churches, there were a number of churches that did not close. But one of the churches was Cheon's Church, Harvest Church in Pasadena, California. And uh, Cheon then was uh, assessed fines by the uh, state government for staying open. And so eventually he sued Gavin Newsom and uh, he prevailed, winning a uh, $3.5 million, I think, lawsuit. I'll have to double check that. It's a, it's a multi-million dollar lawsuit. And in other words, uh, the state of California, the taxpayers of the state of California had to pay uh, that church for all the legal fees and all the costs of the trial. 
and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. So I'm going to, instead of repeating anything he's going to say, he's going to talk about what happened to their church. And uh, Che On is a um, Korean, formerly of of, uh, North Korea. His father's out of North Korea, but during the separation of the communist North from the South, they fled South. And uh, Che On was eventually born. But his dad, many pastors were killed or put in prison in the North. And uh, he tells the story right now. So let's listen. One of the things that I was really, really proud of that we did by the grace of God, when COVID hit in 2020, I felt like the Lord say, raise money, $150,000, just to give to businesses in Pasadena that were hurting because of the lockdown. And our people gave. And sure enough, we hit the $150,000 goal. And we were actually running out of places to give. So I went to City Hall and, um, and, uh, with the city council and the mayor. And uh, we found out that they had a fund also that they were giving out to people that were hurting during the COVID. And so we said, hey, you know, we're just going to give you a lump sum. Could you distribute this for us and just let it come from you? It doesn't matter. We don't have to get the credit. And so that was really, really fun. And so we have this incredible uh, synergy with our city until... We sued Governor Newsom, and all of a sudden we became public enemy number one. And we sued Governor Newsom uh, July of 2020 because we felt that he was violating the Constitution by locking down in-person worship. And uh, we got it for a short period is one thing, you know, but to lock it down and to give you an idea how gracious it was, 49 states had opened up in some form of worship in person, whether it was even like 10 percent or 100 people, but he locked down everything no percentage, no number, nothing. And we couldn't meet in our church. We couldn't meet in homes. Uh, it was just a total lockdown. And it wasn't for our lawsuit. I, I, I know we would have been locked down uh, for, for weeks or months after the winning of the lawsuit. So we felt like this is wrong because he was declaring, for example, a strip club in San Diego to be essential. That, that was open. Uh, abortion clinics are open. Marijuana dispensaries are open. And yet the church, which is so needed during this time, was closed and locked down. And uh, it just didn't make any sense. And so we felt discrimination. We uh, sued. And by God's grace, it went all the way to the Supreme Court in February, February the 5th or 6th. Uh, they granted us uh, uh, a real decisive decision uh, that set a precedence, not only for the churches in California, but for the rest of the United States, that no governor can lock down a church for in-person worship, even through a pandemic. So we are really grateful for that. Within that story, there's something I want to unpack, which I feel there's a certain essence of the problem that many people don't talk about, which is that the strip club wasn't locked down, the abortion clinic, the, 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 drink, you know, the Walmarts, the alcohol right. stores, right? They weren't locked down, but the churches were. So it almost seems to me like in, you said that there's no sense to it, but I don't believe that things are done senselessly. I believe that there's just a kind of a thinking behind it that maybe other people don't agree with. And so it seems to me like this kind of secular idea that the spiritual realm either doesn't exist or that it's not important or that it's, you know, people should just be able to just do it at home by themselves and, you know, and be, right. be locked down. I feel like that's the train of thought that, that right. led that decision making. Do you agree? I agree. Um, you know, you want to believe the best. You want to believe that Governor Newsom doesn't have that kind of bias. But throughout church history, throughout history, for example, my father was born in Pyongyang, what is now the capital of North Korea. And it wasn't always communist. It was right after World War II where Truman 
and Stalin divided up the world, East Germany, West Germany. He wanted Korea to be totally communist, but Truman said absolutely not. So they divided Korea, North Korea would be communist, and South Korea would be a, a democratic republic. And, uh, but he put in Kim Il-sung, the grandfather of the now present dictator, Kim Jong-un. In 1950, he decided to invade South Korea to unite all of Korea under communism. The first thing he did was arrest the pastors. And my dad was arrested. Why? Because throughout history, Christians, pastors, have been the voice for freedom and democracy. We saw that with Stalin in 1937, you know, one of the most uh, grievous slaughtering of over 100,000 pastors took place that year. I'm not sure if I got the exact year, it was 37, 38, one of those years. No one talks about it, but we have to realize that communism has killed, I'm talking about, when I talk about communism, I'm talking about Mao, I'm talking about Stalin, Kim Il-sung of North Korea, Pol Pot of Kampuchea. They have killed, they estimate, 150 million. So here we are now in California, and I'm seeing that spirit of socialism, Marxism, communism come in, and they know that religion is their number one enemy. And they know that pastors will speak out. As Dr. King Jr. said, the pastors and churches not over the state, but they're not under the state. They're to be the prophetic conscience of the state. They're to be the voice to the state. And they know that my, my dad was uh, arrested because he, he would speak out against communism and totalitarianism. So they arrested all the pastors to kill them. And thank God that Truman said, uh, General uh, Douglas MacArthur, and they invaded, um, uh, they went into South Korea, but pushed the North Korean forces to the Chinese border. Now, what happened was the Chinese jumped in, but before that happened, they released all the prisoners, and millions, not just my dad, but millions migrated to South Korea because they hated communism. For the few years that they were under communism, they hated it, and thank God that my mom and uh, dad met in South Korea, and uh, they weren't even married. I wasn't even born, but they married uh, at um, a church in um, Seoul, Korea, and um, then you had me. And so I wouldn't be here if uh, the U.S. forces did not come and push back communism to the North Korean border. So, yeah, throughout history, you want to believe the best. They're not doing this to persecute the church, but they know the church is really the number one enemy. And especially when you think of the Trumpers, uh, the context of this, of course, is, you know, the evangelicals showed up, voted for Trump in 2016. And so a lot of the people who are enthusiastic about the conservative uh, issues like pro-life issues, uh, religious freedom issues, uh, pro-family, not the LGBTQ issues that uh, they're espousing, they know it's the evangelical believers. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Roman. I do believe that uh, there was, whether it's conscious or subconscious, intentionality behind locking down the churches. So speaking of Marxism and socialism, you have that background. Your, your father, yeah, with my dad, North, absolutely. North, North Korea. Do you, do you see this, if it continues down this road, will it eventually lead to communism here in America? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, Reagan said we're one generation become communists, you know, and so you know, I see that because, and a lot of people don't know, you know, they just hear AOC or Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren say, we'll pay for your health care, pay for your education. It sounds wonderful, but it's never worked. Look at Venezuela. Look at North Korea. Literally, it is 
At nighttime, you can't see it. There's no lights. They have no electricity. They're so impoverished. They're starving to death. It's just one big concentration camp. And so, yeah, it's not to say the government's going to pay for everything, but where's that money coming from? Well, we'll just rich uh, tax the rich. But here's the problem. Rich people know how to live without paying taxes, you know? It's, it's, it's a middle class that end up with the bill. And so it just hasn't worked. And, you know, but here's the thing that scares me more. They would rather be taken care of by the government instead of having freedom. To me, freedom, having the freedom to choose which health care I want instead of just being given freedom to uh, choose the right college and pay for tuition and all that. And um, But uh, they would rather be cared for, and that's where people are at. And so no wonder certain nations like the Soviet Union fell into communism, China fell into communism. But look at the fruit of it. Uh, and I, I, again, Jesus himself said, you know, good tree by the fruit. You look at the fruit of uh, Soviet Union. I mean, there were just mass, China, mass starvation. Mao killed so many of his own people through mass starvation because he wanted money for the arms instead of feeding their people. And uh, it's a godless ideology. When you take God out of the picture, then human life is cheap and uh, there's no meaning to life. Uh, the, the state becomes gone. And whoever's leading the state becomes the idol, you know, Mao, Stalin, Kim Il-sung. People end up worshiping these dictators. And even with Hitler, even if it wasn't communism, it was still totalitarianism. It's the same spirit of control by the government. And, uh, and of course, with that, they have to control people through the media. And so you have fake news. Ironically, Pravda, the state newspaper, is called the truth. But it was anything but true. <clears throat> All right. Got moving around here and forgot my left my headphones off. Well, I've I wanted to uh, we got about four minutes left here in this segment and we have one more segment tonight. And I wanted to mention uh, I was we were working starting to work on this big uh, sevenplex over 100 year old old house that was divided up into seven seven apartments. And uh, so Ted Holmes is over there, and, and we promote his one of his businesses, a plumbing doctor here. And he was over there, and we're doing some repairs to the building, taking off all the shutters and going to refurbish them. And then uh, we're water blasting the building. And and he was telling me how <clears throat> in his construction business or his, actually his uh, uh, plumbing business, how they just had this one, you know, 10 feet, 12 feet, 8 feet, something of, of line they needed to put in. And so just take out the broken line, replace the broken line, and the Yuba City Building Department is insisting on a set of plans for it, and not only hard copy plans, two copies of hard copy plans, but electronic copy of plans for just an 8 or 10 feet sewage line that uh, just was broken or something was wrong with it. They're just removing it, put it... That is just absurd. He said, Lou, I feel like I'm just going to quit. It's just so ridiculous. And we need to stop that. We need to just stop that. We need to tell the city council to knock that crazy stuff off. But Ted said his plumbing doctor business is going great. And uh, so if you want to, if you end up, we, we got a couple plumbing operations. Both of them are great. They both are fine people. In fact, they go to the same church. They're good Christian people, they're honorable people, they're honest people, salt of the earth type folks. And uh, in this case, plumbing doctor, you can reach them at 530 671 9111. And uh, 
So Ted's over there donating in time and a bunch of guys over there doing the work today. And uh, then D Dave Greenwich is going to come over this weekend and work on some of the woodwork. He's a specialist. He's going to take all the shutters. He's shutters 20 years old, kind of those fake type shutters, but they're really cool. And we're, we took them all off and we're going to refurbish them and uh, then paint the building and put them back on. So it really looks sharp. So he's uh, GretzGreenitzConstruction.com. So Dave Greenitz said for the first time in 40 years, he is getting behind where he guessed, you know, he gives people a prediction on how long it's going to take to get that kitchen done, that bathroom done. And he said, he said, Lou, for the first time in 40 years, we're having trouble. And he said, what's happening is because of COVID, many of the products that they need to put into the kitchen or the bathroom that they need to order a particular product or type of thing that the family wants they they're on back order and so you can't finish the project until that comes in or the uh the breakdown in the uh ch the chain of supplies the supply chain uh where things just aren't getting out there's just a delay to get things trucked anymore because of all the craziness with the uh with the shipping problem the ocean shipping problem so uh, Dave Greenitz said that he was sending a note. He showed me a note that he was sending to all his clients that are holding holding in a circle pattern. They were they're circling the runway because th they can't get certain products. Just you can imagine, just one product, and you can't finish the job. Say if it's a sink faucet, a particular sink faucet, or a fan, or a stove, particular stove they want, and. Uh, but he's still the best, and they're still doing a lot of work. They're, still, they're backed up, and he said, Lou, I'm just trying to keep people at peace and happy because it's totally out of our control. We're getting the jobs done, but we just we can't go get the products that they need. So if you, you want to check them out, you can go to Greenitz, green, the color green with ETZ on the end, construction, greenitzconstruction.com or Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook page and check them out. You can message them from, th from there, or you can call them at 530-682-9602, 682-9602. We're going to be back for the final uh, 20 minutes. but everybody calls me Tempe, and I don't mind which one you call me. Okay. I like my real name best. Right. They can still call me Tempe. Okay. And I am five and a half, and I come from Darlington. I did um, a 100 meter swim, and I did a triathlon. Well, my name's Simon Brown, and I'm from Leeds in West Yorkshire. Uh, and I was a soldier uh, for 13 years in the army. And uh, in 2006, I was injured whilst on a rescue mission in Iraq. I was shot by a sniper, but I was very fortunate to survive. And, uh, and then when I came home, I found out that I'd lost my sight and I had to rebuild my life after being, uh, after being told that I was uh, gonna be a blind man and leave the army. What 
was the thing that you got shot by again? It was a little bullet, no bigger than the end of my finger, and it went in my face here, and it came out here. And, um, and I, as, as I said, I was very lucky that I didn't get killed. Can you tell me why you swim 100 metres and why you did a triathlon? Because this, even though I didn't know any of the soldiers, I just thought that they have did something for us. I thought I could give a present back to them. Right. By raising the money. I'm quite proud of the soldiers. Oh, well, I'll tell you now, I'm telling you now that the soldiers are also very proud of you because I'm 38 and a half and I can't do a triathlon. I've, and I am also scared to go on my bike, so that was quite a challenge for me. To get on your bike? Yeah, because I'm afraid to ride it. Did you have stabilisers? Yeah, because I haven't learnt how to do it with only two wheels yet. You like to challenge yourself, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Because the soldiers challenge themselves. Yes, right, they do. And, um, and, and you didn't die when you got shot in the eye. I did get shot in the... I got shot in the face, actually, not quite the eye, but it was close enough. And, um, yeah. yeah, I didn't die, but I, I was lucky. And I got home. And, um, and then I had to rebuild my life. And it's because of the challenges that you do and the money you raise and the support you get that people like me can get better. So that's why... People like you are our heroes. And, and people like you are mine. So it works, doesn't it? Yeah. So what's this, Tempe? It's a tiger's eye shaped in a love heart. It's cool. That's it's very a, special. That's it's very really pleasant. a rock. Right. It's not a real tiger's eye. That's fantastic. That's very special. Is that for me? Thank you you can much. keep the bag too. And keep the bag too? Because oh. that's its special place. Ah. I bought you a present because you were special to me because you have helped me, so I thought I could give a present back like that. You see, this, this, this is very special to me because it's people like you that inspire me. What you said to me today is very kind, so thank you very much. My name is Stephen Davis, a battalion chief with Orange County Fire Rescue who was wrongfully terminated for the vaccination mandates uh, in the uh, Orange County government. I, I can tell you that I've been wanting to be a firefighter since I was 14. It takes years of training, it takes uh, years of education. I, I have education in a bachelor's and a master's degree uh, from the University of Florida. I was told to issue out reprimands. So I saw individuals on this list that were supposed to get reprimanded because they didn't get the vaccination and I was told to give them a written reprimand. A written reprimand is a, is a second level of discipline, I was told to issue it and we'll fight it later. The language on the written reprimand said that it would be progressive, which was violating the impact bargaining that we had just agreed to only a few days prior to uh, me being relieved of duty. It was a contradiction of what the impact bargaining had. So that, that's another challenge that I had brought forward and it was ignored. And that to me is wrong. I was trying to let them know, hey, look, you can't do this. One, it violates the Title, title VII Civil Rights Act and other things that it's it's violating people's choice of a mandate and it's an illegal mandate. And Orange County Fire Rescue, the, the employees there, the firefighters there, 
we stood up and said, no, this is something that we're not going to uh, agree to because we don't agree with the mandates. So the main reason I did this is because I saw and I spoke to many men and women and I heard their concerns over the last several months. They were concerned about losing their jobs, losing their losing the income to support their, their family, their kids, their wife. And it's only going to affect the community as a whole uh, if we don't put a stop to this. In our local community, we have we run EMS, so we run for medical calls. We'll go to the, the hospitals and we'll bring people to the hospital. We'll, we'll give them uh, advanced life support. We'll give them basic life support. We'll transport them. And then we also handle the everyday fire emergency. If you take out a third of a department, you are going to create a lot of chaos. So that's what you're losing uh, when, you, when you mandate. This is something that we need to start standing up and believing that we can make that change. We as Americans need to start uh, coming forward and being more proactive in our communities, um, in our schools. We need to be more proactive in our, our governments. Uh, we need to be more proactive uh, in our communities altogether. And this is a direct result because we have sat back and not done what we should be doing. Look, I rarely admit I'm wrong, but I was wrong about children needing masks outside. They do not need a mask outside. If they have a plastic bag over the head, toss a clear bag over your kid's dome piece, duct tape around the neck so no droplets can come in or out, poke a couple holes so they can breathe, and heck, if they get hungry, you can even throw a couple graham crackers in there. Now, it's not going to offer the perfect protection, so I'd even go ahead and dip your kids in a vat of boiling hot wax. It'll dry and sort of make a protective COVID shell. Two straws in the nose so they could breathe. Toss them in a crawl space of the attic, and then in three to nine to 25 years, you can pull them out, crack the shell, and they can get back to a normal life playing and going to school. It just makes common sense. All right, here we go. We're going to wrap it up today. I want to mention a couple other people that make it happen for us here and, and thank Thrifty Rooter. Uh, these guys are amazing. Again, like all these people uh, have started their own businesses. And uh, I don't know about Peachtree Health, but every one of these others are self-starters. These are the businesses that the government wanted to shut down during COVID. And they want to shut these small business people, independent patriots, and so Thrifty Rooter, they've done a great job here for over 40 years. And uh, you can check their website out, and you can actually order their services right off the website. You don't even need to dial the phone. Just look up thriftyrooter.net, check off what you think you need, and you can even write them a note right there on the website and send it, putting your address, phone number, name, da-da-da. Or you could dial them up old school and talk to one of their dispatchers, just like calling a police dispatcher. 530-673-8201, 530-673-8201. Tell them you heard about it on No Hostages Radio, or if you hear about it on the live show, that would be live with Lou. Just give them a shout-out and uh, so they know it's doing them some good. Actually, and I would check also if you have any legal needs. Before I would hire an attorney, I would talk to North Valley Paralegal. 
That's Nellie Garcia, and she is the owner-operator there, and it's 751 Sutter Street in Yuba City. Uh, she serves any counties, and you can also reach her at 530-751-9289. So everybody has legal needs sometime in their life. Maybe you're going to make a will. You're going to change a property line. You're going to do this or that. Uh, you Sometimes people change a name. You're going to have an adoption. You're going to do something, right? So uh, you can get a hold of her and see if she can do it. That'll be cheaper, faster, better. And uh, she's a nicer person than the average attorney. 530-751-9289, uh, North Valley Paralegal, and Nellie Garcia. And then we have Elite Universal Security. And with the terrible times we're having today, I just, my whole area of town, Marysville, is just, it looks like a mental ward, a mental health ward walking around the streets. People with their crack of their rear end showing, their pants falling off. Uh, walking with no shoes on, dirty, like they've been laying in the mud all day. And it's just, it's sad. And uh, so the police are not no longer taking care of those things. They no longer manage, manage the streets of our society. They're told to stand down by politicians. And um, so you, we need more security. Lee Universal Security does that. Monty said he's never been busier. He's looking for workers. All these people are looking for workers. A plumbing doctor, thrifty rooter, uh, even North Valley paralegal. If you want to get in the paralegal business, you're a great secretary, or you're just interested in paralegal, she might be able to hire you over there at paralegal. But Elite Universal Security, all over Northern California, even though they're based in Yuba County, they are all over Northern California. And you, you may be in Butte County or Nevada County, and they may have some jobs up there that they need you on. And they will train you to, to be a guard. There is a way to be a guard. There's some training. Uh, there's some background work you got to do, some skills you got to learn. But they can train you. All these people will train you if you've got a right attitude. And that's EliteUniversalSecurity.com. You, or you can go to API-Academy.com. And you can look up their the jobs that they have or some of the classes they have. Some Sometimes you can get classes online that will suffice to help you be a guard. Uh, so I want to encourage you, if you need a job or you need a job, you need a security uh, project fixed in your life. In fact, we had some guys over at the uh, 612 E Street today. They were putting, on, putting in the uh, electrical to put up security... Uh, cameras at 612e so we're outfitting that whole place to be safe and so people so homeless people won't just come in there and rip it off crazy people they're out of their they're just not homeless that's not the problem they're out of their mind on drugs and i don't know whether you've heard about the new methamphetamines they're out the methamphetamines that were being cooked 20 years ago uh, these are bad bad drugs and they're making people lose their minds and uh you know it's one thing if you come up with against somebody in the dark some night that's just loaded on alcohol that's not a big deal but when they're out of their mind and they may think you're trying to kill them and you're not trying to do because they're hallucinating you got a problem on your hands sonny so elite universal security can help you with keeping your stuff your stuff or keeping people from vandalizing your property and uh i think i mentioned last week i was talking to uh I got a call one day from Thrifty Rooter people, and they said, Lou, we got some homeless people started a fire right near our business. And, and fortunately, some people helped put it out, 
but we got them all over the place. And so I connected them with Monty Hecker at Elite Universal Security, who went over. And uh, for a small, small price, they, they, uh, I was talking to him the other day. I said, Hey, how's your, how's the, uh, how's your business? They said, Very busy. And she said, Our security issues are solved. So Elite Universal Security can help you with that. You can dial them up at 530 749 0280. 0280-749-0280. So that's the group that makes this the wheels turn around over here at uh, No Hostages Radio. So let's see. Let's see. We got we got 13, 14 minutes here. I'm going to pick some stuff out that I think is everything I have here is important. I just want to mention a couple things. We have... Um, if you ever wondered why we were masking the kids and sitting them in plexiglass boxes and tell them they can't hug each other, kiss each other, wrestle with each other, romp in the playground, all those things. It has nothing to do with health. It has nothing to do with sickness. It has to do with the government of California telling schools that they're either going to do this or they're going to get sued or they're, or they're going to not give them the 10 or 20 or $30 million that uh, they promised them if they would follow all the COVID mandates from the, uh, the central management department of the uh, state of Socialist California. So that's what's going on. It has nothing to do with education. It has nothing to do with the health of the students. In fact, it's unhealthy. But now we have some school boards that are just saying, we're done. We're done. Paso Robles School Board voted to defy the state and say there's no mask mandate. Now, they're probably not saying you can't wear a mask. They're probably given the option, but there's, they're not going to mandate it. And uh, said so more than a dozen students and parents spoke against the mandate. And for student choice, multiple speakers chastised teachers who adversely graded students they caught not properly wearing masks. Uh, board members and speakers spoke of the hypocrisy of making students the least vulnerable in the community wear masks at school while adults are not required to wear masks in most settings. Then Rancho Santa Fe. I don't know whether you know anything about Rancho Santa Fe. is a very high-end, uh, expensive uh, residential area of San Diego County. Rancho Santa Fe School District makes masks optional despite state mandate. The state has threatened all these people. Uh, he's, this uh, one board member said, We've actually, we're actually putting it back in the hands of the parents, which I felt was always the right thing for the children, to make choices for their children based on the knowledge they have for their own children's health. Uh, a parent and author uh she said uh, Trustee Ross, she's a parent and author who voted in support of Monday's decision. The board decision comes as conflicts over masks and schools reach a fever pitch. Students and parents are protesting at various schools for mask choice, including Tuesday morning when about 30 people rallied outside San Marcos High School. That's another area in uh, San Diego County. Also, several superintendents recently lamented that the mask fight and COVID politics have taken their time and attention away from educating school students. I can't imagine educating students with all the nut stuff going on. More than 20 members of local school boards 
uh, including Rancho Santa Fe trustees who voted for mass choice, formed a coalition and sent a press release criticizing the state for infringing on their self-rule. I'm telling you, people, take your kids out of school. Get them into, uh, in fact, you've heard, I, I think I have a Randy Thomason clip, all the alternatives you have to state propaganda schools. Uh, it says state officials have said schools are not allowed to lift the mask requirements ahead of the state math making that decision. This is, if you ever wondered what a centrally controlled communist government looks like, that's what we got here. The state will make an announcement, says next Monday, about it. That's probably was a few days ago, about its school mask mandate. Governor Gavin Newsom has suggested the state will announce a future date for easing the mask mandate. This is a guy that does not wear the mask at the French Laundry, does not wear the mask at the Super Bowl, is hugging people, touching people, standing right next to people, is not keeping six... In other words, these people are just total... They're not hypocrites. They don't even believe what they tell you is the truth. They don't even believe that masks work. They don't believe that that they're going to protect them from the virus. They're not stupid people. They're just letting you believe that somehow they are more protected than you are Wearing a mask. Okay, nearly a dozen students, especially in North County schools, that's North County, San Diego County, have been refusing to wear masks at school. Schools have generally responded by requiring the parents to take them home from school as if they're sick. How ridiculous. This whole thing is such a tremendous, painful joke. Uh Here's the deal. This is this is where the mafia comes in at the state level. State officials warned schools last year that they could face serious legal, financial, and other consequences if they don't enforce the mass mandate. Someone mentioned the other day to me, Lou, the way this should work is we should keep the taxes at the county level, and we manage our own taxes, and we collect them and manage them, and then we give a little bit to the state, and it would eliminate all this control stuff. So it says we're going to face serious legal, financial, and other consequences if they don't enforce the mass mandate, especially if a student or staff member contracts COVID. God forbid somebody get a snotty nose or sneeze. The consequences could include lawsuits from families or staff, fines, and other enforcement, health officials, etc. Now, you wonder where this came from. I think this came from a document that warned supervisors or, excuse me, boards of trustees school trustees that if they do this they're 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 going to face consequences they're going to lose money they're going to lose this they're going to lose that and so they just say hey nothing we can do we're just going to do whatever the state tells us right we don't even really need a, a, a trustee board anymore just to have the union union in the state because the, the trustees aren't really serious about getting anything done so uh okay Let's see. I don't have any clips this time. So let's talk about uh, wow, there's just three or four competing things. Uh, I want to just talk about government corruption for a minute here uh, to wrap up our show. Government, it's interesting how the government p- 
people feel like they're worth every nickel they get, even though they're getting paid like 30% more than the private sector to do some similar things. This is a story of corruption with CalPERS. This is county, the government workers could be county, city, or state. Retired police officer Steve Landy, L-A-N-D-I, complained to the California CalPERS public employee retirement system. He complained in 2016 that his police chief was working full-time, earning thousands a month, while illegally collecting retirement benefits. Now, that's not right. That's illegal, according to CalPERS. He can't work full-time and collect benefits. A CalPERS audit team finally arrived in May 2021. Okay, so how how many years is that? That's five years, at least five years after the complaint was made, an audit team decided to show up. Last month, it is said it it said that sure enough, Landy's boss Broadmoor. That's a little, it's a little it's a little village, smaller even than Marysville. Broad, it's right on the edge of Daly City. Broadmoor Police Chief David Parenti was one of three police chiefs and a top commander in the department that defrauded. Do you hear me? Defrauded the police guy, the police three three or four police officers, defrauded the pension system for a decade together collecting as much as $2 million. It was one of the largest abuses of retirement benefits in years, so egregious that the local district attorney is considering criminal charges. It also raises a question for Landy, as well as Parenti's two successors. Why did it take CalPERS so long to figure it out and take action? They were They were... Lining their pockets for years, said Landy. I'm telling you, we do the same thing in our community here. Landy joined in 2015 after retiring from the San Francisco Police Department. It's corruption at its finest, Mr. Landy said. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. It says, consider the irony. Landy said he and other police officers in Broadmoor were told by Parenti that the small 11-person department two miles from the San Francisco line couldn't afford to enroll them in CalPERS retirement program. He said that the police department was going broke and we were encouraging to, we were encouraged to quit our jobs. In other words, these guys were cashing in, triple dipping, and they were telling the average police officer to quit. So it goes on to say that this little town of Broadmoor, is so small they got a, it's an 11 person police department and uh i think it's like two and a half they spend over two million dollars oh by the way that uh that lawsuit with uh, harvest church wasn't 3.5 it was 1.35 million that they paid the harvest church so let me go jump back down here this parenti police chief parenti who is over this Police, this, this police department is about the size of Gridley Police Department, must be, because Gridley's, city of Gridley is like two point some miles, and, and this is a little two-something two miles, right? But CalPERS found Parenti, Chief Parenti, improperly increased his yearly pension retirement from 93000 Can you imagine getting 93000 a year from not, for not doing anything? Increased it to 152000 by coming out, anyway, by doing what he was doing, double dipping. 
And then it, they got all kinds of people doing this. Parent, Parenti joined, anyway, talks about joining. And it says, CalPERS audit detailed how Parenti's predecessor, Chief Greg Love, also collected work, worked full-time while receiving res, retirement benefits and also received a disability payment for more than $100,000, but continued working. So the guy gets paid for retiring, but then he comes back to work full-time, and then he he files a OSHA claim or employment damage claim and got a hundred grand. This guy is rolling in money. San Mateo County District Attorney Stephen Wachstaff said he was going to launch a criminal probe that is examining both Parenti and Love. And uh, good for him. So check this out. This is so much like Marysville. Marysville has like 3.4 square miles and spends over a million dollars a mile to police it. You think it would take the sheriff's department that to police it? No way. No way. There is no, he said, in this, Broadmoor has no city hall. The police district taxes approximately 4,000 residents of the unincorporated area of San Mateo County, covering an area of about 1.8 square miles to to fund an approximate $2 million budget. It costs them over a million dollars a square mile for policing. In Marysville, the last I checked, it costs over a million dollars a square mile as well. I can guarantee you that it's not costing a million dollars a square mile to police Yuba County for the Yuba County Sheriff's Department. The idiots at the city of Marysville and the city council go out and they hire consultant after consultant after consultant and spend thirty thousand, fifty thousand, seventy-five thousand, a hundred thousand. I asked somebody the other day, "What happened with the bounce back program?" Blue ribbon community committees. Oh, we're going to fix everything. Do this, do that. Didn't they didn't get jack done? We got a lake over here operating like a like a darn aquarium. So incredibly embarrassing. This this town of Broadmoor just needs to fold itself into Daly City or San Mateo County and let the sheriff's department take care of their policing business and save themselves a lot of money. It's the same thing the city of Marysville should get rid of the city police and just have the county sheriff handle the whole thing. I was talking to somebody the other day about this. I said, you don't, you realize that the, the sheriff does policing or sheriffing, if you want to call it in the city, as well as the police, they take care of all the dead bodies and all the, all the public administrator work. So we're out of time. I've run out of time. I've run it. I don't, I got plenty of other things to say, but no time to say it. So uh, be careful out there and do something good this week. God bless you. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies are blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day and the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, 